KFI AM 640. Handle here on a Saturday morning. Up until 11 o'clock, Leo Laporte shows up at 11, 11 to 2 with a tech show. And from 2 to 5 this afternoon, the Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Uh, this evening, starting at 6, 6 to 8, Mo Kelly, 8 to 10, Monique Marvez. And 10 to midnight, it is Brian Suits with The Dark Secret Place. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. There is a terrific story, a sort of legal story, out of uh, New York. There is a Russian billionaire who has a yacht, a super yacht, that's been anchored right next to the Statue of Liberty in the harbor. Now, most boats drop anchor for a couple days at most, but this one has been there for months. And it's getting in the way of the view of the Statue of Liberty. Why? It's 371 feet long. Comes with a 65-person crew, has a diving center, a helicopter, aquarium, a speedboat, and it belongs to an oil ta- uh, oil tycoon out of Russia. Um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, the guy who owns it, by the way, received it as a gift from his friend, who happens to be a friend of President Vladimir Putin. Big money there. So the yacht arrives in New York, spends uh, two weeks right there next to the Statue of Liberty, and then leaves for a couple weeks and then comes back where it's been staying for months. Now, you would think that it's illegal to be parked right next to the Statue of Liberty and ruining everybody's view. Well, no, it's perfectly legal. They can't do a damn thing about it, Uh, even though... Boats do park there, but typically move after a day or two. Oh, no, no. It's been there for weeks. Actually, is coming up to uh, maybe a couple of months even. The the Coast Guard can only order boats to move when they are creating an obstacle. And this boat is not creating an obstacle. All it does is ruin everybody's view of Miss Liberty. And so until they change the law... You've got a Russian boat. Actually, it's a huge private yacht, and I'm looking at a picture of it. It's not a very good-looking yacht, incidentally. It's got a speedboat on the back, and I see the helicopter on the pad, but it's kind of an eh look. Uh, I've seen much, much better yachts, for sure. So we'll see if they change the law. I'll bet you they do in New York. And then out he goes. And then the argument is it grandfathered in. He was there before the law changed, and... At some point, he has to move it, and then he'll come back, and the law will be changed. I think. And this is uh, uh, this is is that federal or is it state? Well, you got New Jersey, you got New York. Uh, you know, I don't know the answer. How unusual! Handle doesn't know the answer. All right, let's take a phone call. Linda, hello, Linda. Oh, good morning, Mister Bill. Yes, Thank ma'am. You for taking my call. Sure. Um. I made an appointment with my primary doctor, which in turn she referred me to an outside doctor. He ordered an MRI. I had it done at the hospital where I work. Um, he had ordered the MRI to rule out multiple myeloma. Okay. And? Multiple myeloma. I get it. And? Go ahead. Um, it was during the holidays. I didn't share that with my children. 
I had made arrangements to go visit my family out of state. Okay, you had already been, okay, Linda, you had already been diagnosed with multiple uh, myeloma, or that was simply uh, they thought it might be the case? Um, No, I have not been diagnosed. Okay, but he he ordered the the MRI to make sure that, okay, rule it out. All right, fair enough. Okay, so what happened? And and you don't have to tell me about it with my kids and uh, vacation and all that. Um, Well, I got the report. I read it. It said that I had multiple myeloma. Okay. It I said you do see, have it. Okay. Yes. But when I went to see my primary doctor, she said it was a mistake. Okay. That it should have been, it, it, should, it was to rule out multiple myeloma, but they put in the report that I have multiple myeloma. All right. So, and do you? And thank God I don't have it. Okay. No. So they made a mistake. No. So they blew it. They re- So someone misread the MRI. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. So what happened as a result of them misreading it? I made a complaint. Yeah. I, I work at the facility. Okay. It was done. And they sent me a letter, certified letter, stating that I told the technician that I had multiple myeloma. And I said, no, that was the order. Okay. It doesn't, I don't think out. it, okay. So one way or the other, I don't think that matters because you saying no, you saying yes. You're not a doctor, Linda. No, I'm not. All right. So it doesn't matter what you say. I mean, I can turn around and say, I've got every kind of disease in the world. Okay, who are you, Bill? Well, I'm a lawyer. All right, who's going to listen to you? So you you write a letter of complaint, and then they come back and say, this is what uh, the technician said. So what happened, Linda? How, how Where were you damaged? Um, well, it was, you know, to find out that I had multiple myeloma, I was, it was during the holidays. I just had a grandchild. I'm thinking. Okay, wow, how how gonna... okay? How were you damaged, Linda? Because uh, they told you you did by mistake, and it turns out you don't. What was well, it? Because I knew for a month that I had it. I didn't know that. Okay, it was you thought for a month. month so you thought for a month you had it, and then you find out that you didn't. So for a month you thought you were going to die. Well, I, I thought I was going to be very sick. All right. Uh, well, that's even, yeah. no, you, if you really, the, the best case of all for you <laughs> is you thought you were going to die. But okay. So let's say you thought you were going to be very sick and you thought that for a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what? I what, don't know. That's what would you, I, what would you, what would you like? You, you want money? Um, I would like for the letter to, for them, which I'm getting ready to write them another letter. I because that's going to go into my chart. It's that's not what happened. So you just refute it. it. So Linda, you just refute it. You simply say that's not what happened. That's all. You just mm-hmm. refute it and put that in the chart. Just say that I never said that to the tech, and that's it. You're done. Okay. They're not going to get the tech okay. to say, "Oh yes, Linda's right." The tech's not going to admit that he lied or he misunderstood. Yes, the report. I the understand, report but he's not. One. Okay. No, no. What? You're hold on a minute. Maybe I'm missing mm-hmm. something. The okay. report was wrong. However, the, the text said you wait a sec, but that isn't the issue. You said mm-hmm. uh that he said that you had uh, that you had said I have this. Correct. Right? And based on that, he came back uh what did the tech do? That's what I want to know. How is the tech going to diagnose anything because techs are not allowed to? Correct. So what um, what did the tech do wrong? Um when he I was out of the machine he asked me, why are we doing this test? And I responded to rule out multiple myeloma. Okay, so fine. on the actual so, order. But what does that have to do with uh, the diagnosis? The doctor did the diagnosis. I don't know who read the report. But well, it was, it was a doctor. Oh, well, re- if you have the report, there's a doctor's uh-huh. signature on there. 
There's a radiologist who wrote that report. So it, a tech saying yay, no, almost, it, it does nothing. No one pays attention to a tech. They're not allowed to diagnose. Correct. All they're allowed to do is do the test. So it was a doctor who misdiagnosed for a month until you found out that you don't have it. So your damages are, I thought I had it for a month, I'm going to die. So the only thing now is you can get is money. Linda, how much do you think that's worth? I don't know. Yeah, I do. Not much. Nice talking to you. Okay, Susan. Hello, Susan. Susan? Hello? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I apologize. No, no, quite all right. Uh, well, welcome to Handle on the Lie. Yes. Bill, um, I have um, a friend whose ex-husband, crazy ex-husband has been harassing us. He sent me nearly 40 texts in a couple days. I Ooh. blocked him from my phone. He called our business phone, blocked mm. that. On social media, on Facebook, personal, and somehow he figured out one of our vendors for our business posted, like, lies, libel. Okay, did it cost you? Did you lose the business? No, no, okay. we still right. have our business. All right. But no, no, did you lose no, did you lose the vendor's business? Oh no. They, okay, good. They All right. notified us they blocked. Okay. Got and it. then okay. put, he put a couple bad like lies. Okay, I get it. I get it. So let's Yelp and then they blocked him. Fine. So, so Susan, you have not been damaged at this point financially. All you have is someone who is harassing you, correct? That's correct. Got so, it. Have you I gone mean, in hold on, have okay. you gone in and get a cease and desist? Do you have a do you do, do you now have a um uh, do you have an order from the court? No, that I wanted to find yes. out. Is that called a restraining or yes. cease and desist? And no, it's not same? a cease and desist. It's a restraining order. It's a restraining. Okay. Yeah. So my question is, if I go in and I've had people say, hey, he's not going to show. If he doesn't show, do I still get it? Yes, you do. Okay. And does he have to be served? Yes, if, he does. Okay. So if they can't, I, I think I have an address, but if they can't serve him, then... Well, I think you I think you can do it, uh, especially if he's harassing you. And there is a way of doing it uh, in which uh, you go in on an emergency order and you've done everything you can. Uh, And I I, I don't know the rules of that one because I've never done one. But I think there is an avenue where if you can't serve someone personally, yet the harassment continues, even to the point of damaging you. And the argument's going to be that uh, there is uh, damaging, da- uh, there's been damage done to your business. And it only has to do with, I think it's going to happen, although the judge may get a little upset about that. But just showing the text uh, yes, in an I affidavit, is, that I should everything yeah, that should be enough. That yeah, should be enough. Oh, and then I have one last question. So my they're divorced, but my friend is fighting it out with him in court having to do with real estate sales, blah, blah, blah. She wanted me to come as a as a witness because of the harassment um i don't my husband doesn't want to go because this guy is is nuts but my question is do you think if i went or if i didn't go and the evidence is presented to the judge would the judge then even though it would the judge be able to say oh i see you've done this to these these people you may not do that, or is this, I have to get that done on... They have to do their own. It's going to be a restraining order as to you. Okay. As separate. to you and your business. If okay. they, if the, uh, uh, if the, ex, well, it's, yeah, if the ex wants a, hara- uh, a restraining order and or uh, the uh, the ex, uh, is, is the ex married or not? Not. Oh, this is your friend. Uh, yeah, but it's as to you. That's it. Yeah, okay. All right, All right. there you go.
Uh, yeah, restraining orders. You know, I don't know because it uh, uh, can, can someone just evade service and keep on just going and going and going and going? And then this, the uh, the other issue is at some point it gets to be a criminal matter when you've harassed someone to that point. All right, Julie. Hello, Julie. Hi, Mr. Bill. Yes. I, hi. I live in a townhome complex with about 100 owners, and we're not too happy with the HOA. How do we get rid of them? You vote them off. Vote them off. Yep, okay. and there is, I think you can come in uh, on an emergency basis. Well, look at the CC&Rs. Uh, it depends on what they're doing and on what basis you can toss them, and it's all right there in the CCNRs. And even if you can't, at the next election, and it's every year there's an election, just throw them out. You run, and you argue these guys, these people are horrible. And if you have enough people that were willing to vote to put you in or someone else in and throw them out, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no other way of doing it. And then find out if you can come in on some kind of an emergency vote. Uh, that the that the board has done something or an individual has done something where you can get together with enough of the homeowners say okay we need an emergency meeting and then throw them out but again it's uh, the HOA that controls that's always the CCNRs of the HOA CCNRs of HOA LSMFT LBGQT yeah all right uh, hello, Kevin. Yeah, in November of 2016, my wife, son, and I moved into a uh, uh, rental property. Uh, maybe about a month later, my wife and son started just getting uh, slight allergy reactions. Um, fast forward to January, uh, right when the rain started getting pretty bad, uh, a leak opened up in our ceiling. And uh, right away, I notified the property manager of the issue. Uh, four or five days later, uh, the leak turned into a hole and basically collapsed in on me when I was standing underneath it. And at that point, I took my son and my wife and we moved into a hotel and was told by the property manager that we would get no support whatsoever, that uh, we shouldn't have moved out to begin with. And maybe they, about two or three days and, after and, that. And, and so as far as the hole in the ceiling coming down on your head, did the property manager even say anything about that? Uh, nope. Maybe Just, that's said, it. Okay. Right. So what's your question, uh, question, Kevin? Uh, about two or three days after that, they sent out a vendor to remediate all the mold, but they didn't seal it. Like the hole was in one part of the house, but they didn't put up any of the mylar film that were okay. that to keep all the spores. And now he won't, uh, I don't want to go into the house. Right. And all right. So, any of my property. All right. So what's what's your question? What's your question? They won't they w- pay for any of the stuff. So all right. So they breached. So Kevin, they breached the contract. All right. You have no lease anymore. You're walking out. You want the money for the hotel. You want your entire uh, first and last or whatever security uh, deposit you put in, plus any money you put in up to that uh, uh, from that point on when uh, the ceiling came in on your head. Plus, I would argue for moving expenses on top of that. Uh, at least uh, I would sue for that too. Correct. Uh, my uh, all of that I agree with. My issue is the property. Um, I can't. My doctors inform me that I shouldn't have any of that around my son because he's developed uh, hypersensitivity syndrome. Okay, so, so you can. So you can. So, what your your physical like, property? Sure, if you get the doctor's note uh, saying this is it, that that's part of your uh, it's part of your lawsuit. 
Uh, the problem you have is it sounds like it's going to be more than $10,000. Is that the case? Correct. Yeah. Then, uh, so how much is it total? If you had to add all of it together, your uh, uh, your property, your 15, furniture. at least. How much? 15000 Yeah. So here is the issue. It's one of those betwixt and between issues. Is a lawyer is going to cost you uh, a ton of money, except... You know what? Look at the lease. There may be prevailing attorney's fees clause in the lease. There probably is, which means that you can get your money back that you spend on a lawyer if you win. I can't imagine you not winning on this one. So you have to decide. Do you just go for the $10,000 and you do it yourself? Do you go for the $15,000 and now they're going to bring in an attorney and you're going to be up against an attorney? And right. my, my my real question is though, like in the interim, like I need to get my stuff out and you know clear out the place. What do I do with that stuff? Because I don't want it and I don't want to keep it. Should yeah, I then you tell them, no, no, you don't have to do anything. It's uh, you can't touch it. It's uh, mold ridden. It's already been uh, infected. Let him deal with it. They you... gave me a seventy-two hour. Great. Uh, so they're going to sue I... you for storage. You go, hey, it's full of mold. Or the right. doctor said we shouldn't touch it. Now. Uh, and therefore, I can't use it. Enjoy yourself. And then they're going to sue you for picking it up, putting it in a storage, or throwing it away, and that's going to be a suit and countersuit. That's all. Well, no, they, they're kicking me out of the place because I'm... I, I get it. I get But that has nothing to do with the furniture. Well, how do, but that's what I'm saying. Is that, what do I... Why would you go, wait a second, they're kicking you out. Kevin, why would you go back if there's mold? You never would. See, the entire premise is you can't go back. It's part of your damages, Kevin. So, well, no, so why are you bitching about you being kicked out if you can't go back? Well, I want to get – he the, the property manager is willing to negotiate with me. He's saying that if I pull all my stuff out, he'll basically let me out of the lease and give me the stuff. Don't worry so, about the lease. They've already breached the lease, Kevin. So, so wait, so stuff in there and just – Well, it's up to you. Is, is there anything you can do with that stuff, Kevin? Or you have to throw not. it away. Yeah, it's all got to go. Okay, so why bother? Let him deal with it. He's going to sue you anyway. And if he says, "Well, I'll tell you what, you take your stuff, and I will let you out of the lease," which, by the way, I'm I'm arguing there is no lease because they breached it, but that's uh, another issue. I will let you out of the lease. And by the way, you suck up all the hotel bills, and you suck up uh, moving again, which you have to. And has he said anything about the security deposit? Does he plan on plan on keeping that too? say if I if I cleaned up and moved everything out he would give me the deposit back. Well, then the you have the cost of uh, picking it up and throwing it all into uh the county dump. And should I document it before I do that? You document everything. You document okay. everything, Kevin, but then you have to figure out money, you know, you've got hassle, you've got lawsuits, you've got money. Right. And you have to move anyway, what's it going to cost you? And then just do two different categories. A and B. What does A cost you? What does B cost you? So you have money, money, and then you put in another category for hassle. What is the bigger hassle? What is it going to do to pick up that stuff and clean it out and take it to the uh, and and take it to the uh, uh, the county the the fill the county fill the landfill, and then again. Uh, here's what I would do. I would go to, for example, a Home Depot. You've got a bunch of guys sitting there in the driveway just begging for work. You could rent a pickup truck for a couple hundred dollars. You pay them after asking for their papers, making sure they're here legally. 
and then doing an e-verify. Do you understand? You have, and then making sure you pay the Social Security and you have insurance for these guys. You understand what I'm saying here, Kevin? Of course. Of okay. Course. And so, yeah, yeah. What does it take? Three hours, and uh, it all goes in the in the dump, and uh, you're finished. It's just money versus money, Kevin. Okay. All right. 100% so that makes sense. Thank you. Okay. Uh, then it's now. What would I do? Uh, I'd, I'd probably just okay. You know, let's negotiate. I want my yeah, and just pay for half half the hotel and just go in there with uh, with some ammunition, which he has. Talking with the landlord. Uh, hello, go, hello, Al. Welcome. How you doing, Bill? Yes, sir. Uh, my situation. I had a uh, judgment lien put on my on my property ten years ago. Uh, it was illegal, but anyway, the time has expired. The time of it expired right now, so judgment liens, to... Al. Judgment liens don't expire, Al. Oh, well, judgments, judgments I mean, expire. They didn't renew it. I'm sorry. They didn't renew it after the ten. No, years. I understand, but you said there's a lien on the property. Yes. Yeah, there's still a lien. It doesn't disappear after after ten years. Let's say someone liens my property based on a judgment, and I wait ten right. years. Does it disappear, and I can sell it, and I don't owe the money anymore? There, okay. there just isn't a, the judgment is gone. Actually, you don't need them. You don't owe the money, but they still have a lien on the property. Okay. So, how, what, what, what do I do? Uh, well, uh, you pay off the lien, I guess, when they when they uh, sell the property. You, it's not a question of waiting ten years and you don't have to worry about it anymore, especially when they when they lien the property, as I said. Yeah, the whole thing, Bill. It was everything was uh, it was a stolen identity, and it was put on there and you illegal. Didn't, it, right, and you didn't fight it at that point. As soon as you found out that it was put on illegally, yeah, it was already too late. It was about four or five years. Yeah, well, you can still fight. You can out. still fight it. It's fraudulent. You can't just ignore it, which you did. Uh, so the the quick answer to uh, your question is, I really don't know. Does that help you? And here's what I would do: if uh, I were if I were you, I would have called me. And then what I would have said to me is, I really don't know the answer. You're going to have to go someplace else. Which means that both of us, Al, have to go someplace else to find the answer. Hello, Martin. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes, I was involved in an accident. And uh, my thing is that uh, I was accused of running a red light. Uh, the problem here is that uh, I have brought evidence uh Pretty much to make to prove that uh, I had the right of way. How, what kind of, and what, Martin? What kind of evidence? Uh, photographs. How do you photograph whether you blew a red light or not? We don't. My, All right. My thing so, is, so what? The, what the, so the what kind of what kind of evidence the, do you have? Well, all I have is uh, pretty much I'm trying to uh, match it to what the Highway Patrol wrote on his report. Well, I ended up in the ambulance. Yeah, no, but hold team. on. Let me let me before we get to there. Uh, the highway patrol. What did they say? Did it say you blew through a red light? Is what the yeah. okay? So you have evidence that you didn't. Well, yeah, pretty much. Okay, no what much. evidence? Let's go back to the same question. What evidence do you have that you did not blow through the red light? The drawings and uh, the area where the car well was uh, hit. What, Martin, you just what drawing? The ones the police uh, drew up. They drew some up. I drew some up myself. Okay, so you have your drawings that prove what happened, and that's your evidence. Your drawings. Yeah, that's not Martin. Damage on the car. Okay, that is that. that, 
You see, here's the problem. Damage on the car doesn't prove who blew through the red light or not. Yeah. So uh, let me make it real easy for you. You have no evidence. Okay. You You drawing what happened, uh, that is totally self-serving, Martin. Now, no, I understand that. Now, the good news for you is that the cop saying you blew through the red light is also not evidence. Because he yeah. wasn't because he wasn't there. No, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that is not evidence. So at this point, there is no evidence, one way or the other. Do you get that? Yeah, I understand that. Okay, so now uh, at this point, no evidence, one way or the other. You said you didn't. They said you did, and you ended up in an ambulance. Were you ba- Were you hurt? Yeah, my my back went out on me. And Ooh. my chest was smashed against a steering oh. wheel. Okay, all right. So uh, you got banged up pretty good. All right. So what's your question, Martin? Well, the insurance company and the other people that I gave them photographs and everything, and uh, they pretty much uh, well, this is what they told me yesterday on the phone. They said uh, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna pay for the the damage on the other guy's vehicle because uh, they they noticed that. That uh, that something was wrong there. Wait, they, something. They, they, what does that they, mean? They, something they, something was wrong there. I don't understand yeah. that. Well, they have reason to believe that I was telling the truth that it was okay. All right, fair enough. All right, so far so good. And and thing is that uh, uh, my thing right now is that they're they're saying. Well, I haven't even talked to the other insurance company, but my thing is that uh, they're they're making it sound like you know they're not they're not going to pay for your damage, and we're not going to pay for their damage. Okay, uh, I just, they're saying fault. they're not paying for any damage. Yeah. All right, so they denied your claim. They said uh, that it's your fault, effectively. Yeah, and okay. my, my insurance company denied their claim. Okay, that's fair. I get it. So now, here's what's going to end up happening. You're both going to be at fault, and your insurance company is going to pay for your damage, and the other guy's insurance company is going to pay for their damage, and you're going to end up, uh, both of you, probably with an at-fault accident on your record. Okay. And uh, you have medical insurance, I'm assuming, through the, uh, yeah, you probably, well, let me ask you yeah, this. Do. do you have medical insurance through your auto policy? Uh, or you do you just yeah. have liability? Well, yeah, I have liability. That's all? Do you have medical insurance uh, or underinsured insurance? Well, it would be medical insurance. Do you have yeah, that well. in your policy? Yeah, yeah, well, I've got Medi-Cal also. No, I don't care about Medi-Cal. I'm talking about, uh, do you have a comprehensive auto policy? Uh, or is just liability? Just liability. All right, but then you have Medi-Cal, so you'll have your medical taken care of. Your Probably your car will end up being paid for, and you will get uh, no money for uh, the pain and suffering. And that's just the way it goes. Does that answer oh. your question? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, excellent. We finally figured that one out. Liability insurance, he blew through a red light. It wasn't his fault. He has the proof that it wasn't his fault because he drew it up. Okay, that works, doesn't it? Hello, Ashley. Yes. Um, So I'm one of three beneficiaries. A friend of mine died. And one of the other beneficiaries um, is also the trustee. And there's about $200,000 or more at stake. Um, does that benefit? Does the trustee have to let me know? Oh yes. Um, when things are being sold. Oh yes. I feel like they're being really shady and okay. Uh, yes, the trustee. Well, theoretically not, but it, uh, when they don't let you know, Ashley, there's always something wrong right. because the trustee under the trust may have the ability to sell or buy or do whatever the trustee wants to do. 
Okay. For, for example, I have a trust in which I have a trustee who's my partner on behalf of my kids. She can do any damn thing she wants. She has full power to sell, to not sell, uh, to give my kids money up to a certain amount. But that's okay. because I trust her. She is a trustee. So uh, now if, uh, let's say, one of my daughters thought there was something wrong, then uh-huh. then she can go ahead and file a lawsuit. So actually what I would do is, is uh, ask the trustee, I'd really like to know what's going on with the trust, or I'm going to get a lawyer. Okay. Uh, okay. And and see what happens and uh, see if that goes. And then if if the trustee tells you to go blow uh, to go pound sand, or blow <laughs> it out your will. or blow it out your nose, then uh, you you get a lawyer letter, and okay. that's what you have to do. I mean, you have no choice. And you join up right. with the other you join up with the other beneficiary. Well, the other beneficiary and him are husband and wife. Oh, uh, that's a problem. Really that's a, okay. No, I get it. I get it. And they may be screwing you, for all I know. Yeah, yep, I feel like all, they are. All right. Lawyer letter. Yeah. Lawyer. Uh, definitely trust an estate lawyer is what you want to get. We have them on the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com and just make it happen. And you're still going to get screwed, of course. You know, just to let you know. Uh, when the trustee hates you, the trustee hates you. The other thing is you get to hire a lawyer and you get to pay for the other side's lawyer because it comes out of the estate. It comes out of the trust. So you pay for your lawyer, and since there are three beneficiaries, you get to pay a third out of your uh, out of uh, the assets of the trust. So you get to pay for suing yourself. It's a wonderful thing. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice where te- where I tell you. You have absolutely no case, and I love doing that. All right. Usually I don't go uh, out of country uh, to uh, deal with court cases, but sometimes I just love them, love them, love them. And this has to do with um, an Irish high court. Now, they have the same basic premise in the law. A A lot of laws are similar to ours. One of them is you cannot keep on filing frivolous lawsuits. And in this case, there was a litigant, person who was filing lawsuit, attempting to challenge a decision by a rental board uh, to fix market rate for his rent. And he just kept on filing and filing, and the decision had already been upheld, and he didn't stop. So uh, what happened was the court... Uh, described him and ruled that he was a vexatious litigant. We do the same thing here, where you reach the point where you have filed so many lawsuits, usually after, uh, usually uh, at, against the same person, or in some cases, just you're crazy and you just file lawsuit after lawsuit, and the court can actually say you're done. You're not filing any more lawsuits. You're finished. You're a vexatious litigant. You're just using this frivolously. Uh, you are, in this case, uh, the court described, and this is the presiding judge, uh, described this guy as frivolous, grandiose. He thought so highly of himself. Uh, these people think that they're lawyers, even though they're not licensed, and vexatious, which means that, of course, uh, they're uh, filing way too many. And the uh the uh the, the court further said that the court actions that were being used by him uh were simply tactics to delay and frustrate the proceedings between the man and a tenant 
because the board had held, this is all you can charge for rent. And he just kept on going, and uh, he just wanted to stop everything cold. And the, the court later on said the courts, uh, this is uh, the uh, Justice Richard Humphrey said, the courts are not a playground in which litigants can amuse themselves at will. So now this is your normal vexatious litigant story. There's no big deal here. The fun one, or the fun part of this, is the court further ruled that he, that is the plaintiff, the guy suing, we don't have his name, said You cannot describe your occupation as disciple of Jesus Christ in a sworn statement. Because at the end of every document, you have to sign under the penalty of perjury whenever you're doing a, uh, a, whenever you're filing a lawsuit that the facts stated are true and correct, to the best of my knowledge, under the penalty of perjury, and then you sign your name. And he signed it as disciple of Jesus Christ. And the court said, that's not going to work. And he wouldn't change his mind, which added, uh, of course, to uh, the court's decision to declare him a vexatious litigant. You love it or not, huh? All right, let's take some phone calls. Hello, Jim. Yes, hey, Bill. I've been a very naughty boy, and I have not filed taxes in many years. My question is, I live in a home that is part of a trust, and I will be the beneficiary of that, one of the beneficiaries of that trust, and I will have the home transferred to whoever. So my question is, would opening a trust in my son's name, one's an adult, one's a minor? Well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. It's already in the trust, right? The home? It's already, already in the trust. And who is the trustee? The, the trustee was my mother. She's deceased. Okay, so who's the subsequent trustee? Uh, it's my sister. Okay, so she's the trustee. Is it a revocable trust or is it an irrevocable trust? It's irrevocable trust. Then, uh, until, uh, frankly, until uh, the uh, uh, until the trust is distributed, there's really not much because uh, what you are, you're a beneficiary, uh, but there's no beneficiary yet. I mean, well, it hasn't I mean. it hasn't been distributed yet, has it? Well, we, well I'm talking about after distribution. When, when oh, after distribution, that yeah, that's not going to help you. Then it's not going to help you. So it's putting the trust in my kid's name. Oh no, 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 that's just oh no, they can unravel that in two seconds, Jim. Okay. Yeah. All right. How can you not file taxes for how many years? Uh, do I really have to say fifteen? Jeez, why? Well, uh, I, I had a, I was self-employed. I've been in survival mode for ten years. We just never had the money. It's not like I'm protecting anything. I never made much money, so. You know, other than penalties and whatever, I, I, I will call one of your advertisers. You know, wait a second, Jim. Hang on a minute. If you don't owe any money, I don't know if you necessarily have to file taxes. Well, I would owe some, but not, not very much. Oh, if you owe some, no, okay. If you owe some money, then you have to file. Yeah, you want to definitely talk to I, – I, I, by the way, I don't advertise any one of those companies. So uh, you want to be very, very careful how much money they're charging up front. Anybody that asks – for money up front for this, I, I would be very careful about. I appreciate that All advice. Right. Good luck to you, or, yeah, fine. You know, you're an idiot, too. How do you not file taxes for 15 years? Uh, okay, sure, why not? Fred! just don't understand a lot of this. Hello, Fred, welcome. Thank you. Go ahead. So my, my question is, I work in sales, and I'm going to be leaving to go to another occupation. I have about $700,000 in contracted sales. Um, but, but once I leave, they're not going to want to pay me 
for those sales, even though my name is on the contract. So they're but they so you're entitled to commission on those contracts, correct? Yes. Yeah, I have a variable rate commission. Okay, uh, then that's that's money you've that's money you've earned, Fred. Okay. And if they collect the money, you you in fact uh, brought in the the business, and you're entitled to the money. It's like a paycheck. Partially, the, what they're saying is that I do sales and project management. Ah, so, okay. Well, that changes yeah. things around, doesn't it? I think it might a little bit. No, it, it may change it a lot. Because the argument is going to be how much of it is sales and how much is project mar- management, and they're going to say the sales is the smallest part of it. Absolutely. And you're going to say, no, selling is the biggest part of it. So uh, you make a claim. Uh, and uh, You were an employee, correct, Fred? I'm an employee, yeah. Okay, then you go to uh, the labor board. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. then just file a claim for the entire amount and let some uh, administrative judge make the decision. That's that, that's what you have to do. Should I try to negotiate? Sure, uh, sure. Well, I would first make a claim. Yeah. And then send them a copy and say, hey, you know what? If it turns out you're not paying me, you're going to get nailed with sanctions and penalties. Let's sit, Let's start talking right now. Nailed. Okay, great. All right, try that out. Great, thanks. All right, and that's the Department of Industrial Relations, and that's the state of California, and you want the Wage Enforcement Division. Appreciate it. Okay, as well you should. Hello, Gina. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I wanted to know, um, how do I go um, about being heard at court if I wasn't allowed to be heard the first time? Well, okay, tell me why you weren't being allowed. Well, first of all, what's the case, and why were you not allowed to be heard? My sister, my dad passed away, and my sister went and took my mom, and um, she went and got conservatorship over her, and uh, she went and started a probate case on my dad. Okay. And everything was supposed to be left to me and my kids, and I was supposed to continue t- caring for how mom. Gina, how, when you say everything was supposed to be left to me and my kids, do you have, a, do you have documentation that, st- that says that? It's not a will, it's just a handwritten documentation. That is a problem. Uh, is there a will? Um, no, there wasn't. Okay, uh, that's a problem because uh, what you have, if it if it isn't a holographic will, and that is, is there a date on it? Um, yes, there is. And is there a signature on it? Yes. That is a will, Gina. Okay. That is a holographic will. That is a will. And you can, whoever starts the probate, is that is immediately put in, and that has to be considered, because that's the only will that exists. So, now, how much money are we talking about, Gina? God, there was two houses. One was completely paid for. Okay, then, Gina, you need a probate and a state attorney. Um, it's Cherie Stewart. Uh, you need, well, uh, what does that mean? Is that the name of a probate attorney? Uh, oh, yeah, you need which you know, Gina. You need the name, uh, or you need a probate and a state attorney to handle this because you're talking about uh, introducing a holographic will or a written will, handwritten will, and those are very easy to attack. But th- that's why you need an attorney, and uh, you have a very good chance of grabbing all of the money. Now, is your mom the executor of the will? Um, no, um, I am. Then what difference does it make if your sister uh, got a conservatorship on your mom? If you're the executor, then you open up the probate. 
Well, see, because she, when she got a hold of everything, she threw me out in the street. All right, uh, Gina, you need you need a, Gina, you need an attorney. You need an attorney. Go to handleonthelaw.com and get an attorney. I mean, there's just no no other way at this point. Okay. All right. There you. You have no choice. I mean, when you talk about she threw me out on the street, I'm the executor. I've got the will, and my sister threw me out. Uh, no, doesn't work that way. Hello, Diane. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Yes, I have a text question. I have, uh, I, I just short sale a couple of years ago, and uh, at the time we were in process, my husband was alive, and he passed away the year before. And so I, last year for my taxes, I got a huge tax bill that I have to pay from the state. Yes. And I was wondering, um, I'm responsible for the whole thing, and then I, I get a lot of, I hear a lot of commercials where there's attorneys that said they could help you with that. Yeah, you have to be a little careful with that. First of all, yes, you're responsible. Uh, that's okay. that's for starters, uh, because a short sale, they do issue a 1099 on a short sale, because the forgiveness of a loan is considered income, which I've never understood, but that's the law, and that's the way it goes. How much money, Diane, do you owe the state? Uh, like over about 12000 now. All right. Uh, here's uh, what you can do is try to negotiate a deal with the state to get rid of penalties, and to get rid of the interest. And I'd be very careful about these companies that say, gee, I can help you out. And all you have to do is pay three or $4,000 or $2,000 up front. Uh, because already I, I think you're dealing with, um, in my opinion, a lot of these are scammers. And there's no way for you to know if one is or is not. Now, you're dealing, this year, California, right? Yes. You're dealing with the toughest state collection agency in the United States. They are far tougher than the IRS. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good to owe the state any money. You're better off owing the feds, but you have no choice. What I would do is there are specialists who deal with this. Go in and just talk to a few of them. They're not going to charge you for a consultation and just say, what am I looking at? How much are you going to charge? And uh, you probably will never be able to get rid of the principal, Diane. That's just not going to happen. The only thing that you are going to be able to do is deal with the penalties and the interest, and that's it. And sometimes you can cut your own deal, and uh, they'll make a deal to pay it off, but they'll charge you interest for that. Okay. All right, so go ahead and talk to those experts, and the more advertising they do, the more, yeah. Uh, you have to be a little bit of care. You have to be a little bit careful. No, you have to be a lot careful. No, you have to be insanely careful. Hello, Frank. Yeah, Bill. Go ahead. Bill, uh, I'm probably in the uh, on the verge of going bankrupt with my credit card. However, I haven't done so, and it's been a while since I've made any payments. Are they able to uh, seize my accounts or take any money out of my accounts via judgment or anything? Well, I mean, your other accounts, well, they can't do it until there is a judgment. And even then, they actually can't go in. I don't think, well, they could go in and grab money from your accounts once there's a judgment. But let me ask you a question. Uh, And it has to do when 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 was the last time, how many months or weeks uh, ago did you actually charge a credit card? Probably been well over eight months or more. Uh, I don't know about eight months. Uh, and how much do you owe? Maybe thirty thousand. Yeah, that may be worthwhile to talk about. Uh, may be worthwhile to talk about bankruptcy. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going to do so, Bill. One other thing, if I may, my uh, my Social Security goes into my account. They're not able to attach that. Not until it goes into your account. And then there, if they once it hits your account, it's uh, it's free for anybody to go after. Okay. So okay. you uh, so a lot of people open up different bank accounts and uh, make sure or cash the uh, Social Security check. I mean, just walk in and just cash the thing. All right, buddy. All right. So you definitely want you definitely want to talk to a bankruptcy attorney to to see where you sit right now. I mean, I would do it almost instantaneously. Uh, hello, Chris. Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. Okay, about a month ago, I purchased a house, my first house. And about two weeks after I purchased the house, they started having uh, plumbing issues. Called the plumber out. He uh, cameraed the line, and it uh, turns out that I have about a five- to six-foot section of uh, sewer line that's completely damaged under underwater. Um, my question is, is there, I know there's lemon laws for cars. Is there anything like that? No, no, absolutely not. And you would have to prove that the owners knew that this was happening and basically lied to you. And if it happened 30 days after you moved in... Uh, what what are you going to say? Well, you should have known beforehand, and they're going to say, but it happened after you moved in 30 days. We had no idea. Right. Yeah, so uh, b- bottom line is you're probably screwed. Wow. Yeah, nice talking to you. Oscar. Hello, Oscar, you're up. Okay, how you doing? Uh, question. Um, I was detained by ICE on 2015. Um on the presumption that uh, I missed a uh, court hearing, they took me to the landfill facility in Adelanto. Um, when I was there, um, I found out that when they arrested me, they didn't have an arrest warrant for me. Nothing, nothing signed by a judge to detain me. Uh, plus, when I was in Adelanto, I was attacked by the uh, MS, the Mara Salvatrucha gang. I was attacked, I was beat up, and I was raped there at the facility. Um, I know that facility is uh, privately owned, so I've been trying to find a lawyer to help me, you know, sue that facility. But every time I call somebody, they told me that uh, the statute of limitations has expired. Well, how many? How long ago was this, Oscar? A year ago? Did you say a year ago? Uh, it's been like eight months. No, you're fine. There's no statute issue. I don't think there's a statute involved here unless they consider it a governmental authority and then you have it within a six month period. And but if you're talking about a private uh a private facility, I'm guessing that uh the statute does not cut you off, although I don't know if it's con- considered a governmental uh facility or not. Then there is a statute. You have to make a claim before you file. But a couple of questions I have for you, and that is uh, you were arrested by ICE because they assumed you were illegal. Well, uh, I'm not illegal. I have uh, I'm I'm a refugee. I have a uh, political asylum from El Salvador. Okay, you do uh, have political is, asylum, uh, but one of my court hearings. You missed a court hearing, and then they arrested you, right? Yes. And how did they they arrested you? How did they arrest you? I mean, were you just driving along, and then there was an arrest warrant out no, there? They were looking for me. They had uh, they said that they had a search warrant for me since two thousand and seven, uh, when I didn't go to court. Uh, the thing is uh, that that detention order uh, from the judge it wasn't signed, so they were looking for me for eight years. With a paper with no signature. Wow. Okay. You've got, okay. This is way, way above my grade scale. 
Uh, so the first thing you have to do is find out what on what basis have the attorney said that you're past the statute? Did you ask what, why? Well, because they said that, one, I didn't go and file a lawsuit to get a judge to uh, prove it. I don't understand. To prove what? Uh, that's what I don't understand. No, no, uh, Oscar, Oscar, you don't get a judge to allow you to file a lawsuit. You file a lawsuit, come hell or high water. The part that I'm uh, having, uh, the, the only issue here is whether or not uh, there's that six-month war, uh, the six-month statute, or maybe it's a year, maybe it's uh, 90 days, I don't know what the statute is. When you're filing a private, when you're filing a uh, against a private facility that you were beat up, and how were they negligent? And I mean, there's a bunch of issues there. All right, let me go backwards on that. How badly were you banged up, and what kind of permanent injuries do you have? Well, I was raped. I mean, how bad is that? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not good, but in terms of person, in terms of uh, permanent injuries, have you go- have you gone to a psychiatrist or a psychologist to deal with this? No, I was supposed to. They told me at the facility that I was going to be tested for HIV, hepatitis, and that I was going to get a psychological evaluation. That I was going to see a psychologist, but then I was released on bail. Okay, how long have you been out, Oscar? How long have you been out? I've been out for five months. And you haven't seen any psychi- a psychologist? No, I've been trying to get eyes. I tried. Yeah, I know you got a. That's yeah, you got a huge issue here, man. There's so many. There are so many parts of this, uh, and that is, uh, you know, they they didn't have a signed signature from the judge, but they're allowed to make a good faith mistake. So if they're looking at a document that says, "Here you go, you go after this guy." And there's no signature per se. Uh, it's it's still good faith for them to go out. I mean, they don't have the technical knowledge. Oh, this is not valid. They're not going to do that. And then the issue as to the prison, and then the issue as to security in the prison. And uh, was there any uh, any warning that he was going to be attacked? Do they put him in protective custody to make sure he's never going to be attacked, or is he in the general population with everybody else? And uh, the people in the gang decide uh, to pick on him. We're going to rape and get you. So how is the facility at fault? What do they do? Every potential person is going to get raped or beat up. They all have to go in private uh, areas, private uh, private cells, and be protected. Uh, there's a lot of problems with this one. Good news is I've never been arrested by ICE. And, uh, yeah, that actually is the good news. Hello, Brandon. Yes, sir. Hi, I've got a uh, a little bone to pick with with Uber. Um, Listen to the spots that are on KFI for Uber. There's a they they say you can go out there and make five hundred dollars a day. I don't know if you recall from the from the advertising. Yeah, I've heard those. Yep, I've heard those spots. (laughs) Um, So I go out. I've tested that theory. uh, Worked for twenty hours in a night, whatnot. I I got a lot of time off from my profession, so. make a little extra money that doesn't work but aside from that i um they also advertise that you get a nice one million dollar uh insurance policy when you're driving for them and i happen to get in a fender bender um gonna cost about it's not going to be much 800 to a thousand dollars but they're not going to pay for it at all well because my guess is uh the million dollar policy i'm just getting is secondary insurance it's over and above what your insurance would pay. 
So it yes, doesn't sir. it doesn't come in before your insurance. So your insurance first comes in and you pay the deductible and if the claim is big enough, they cover you from the end of your insurance or the final amount of money your insurance would pay up to a million dollars. That's usually the way it works. You're right. you're not going to see a policy that covers every fender bender and you're covered. Roger that. Yes, but it's going to make my insurance go through the roof. It would anyway. And why would a fender bender make your insurance go through the roof? Uh, because I'm driving for Uber. I'm oh yeah, that's the other thing. That's right. It's well, it's going to be is they're just simply going to deny it, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Your insurance isn't going to go through the roof. They just deny. They're going to go, no, we're not paying for it, so it doesn't count against you, Brandon. It's like you never filled out a claim, because if you fill out a claim and they say, uh-uh, no, uh, there's uh, no harm, no foul. Got it. Okay. So what ends up happening is you're going to argue, if it was a big deal, you're going to argue that that million-dollar policy should start from minute one. And they're going to say no, but uh, let me ask you this. How much money are you talking about to fix it? It's not much. It's only about $1,200. Well, I mean, you can sue Uber for $1,200, and they're going to say, and they're going to say, look at the contract that says you are an independent contractor and uh, you're responsible for anything up to, just find out what the contract says. And if the contract says uh, nothing about that, all they give you is a million dollar policy, then uh, anything they say about you having an underlying insurance, you don't, Brandon. You don't have underlying insurance, right? Because they're not going to—they're not going to cover. Matter of fact, I just got into a fender bender. The first question was, "Do you drive for Uber? Do you drive for Lyft?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "No." Okay, then our insurance kicks in because the second they would have asked me, "Yes, I do." Now, were you driving for them at this time? And the problem is. It's all there on the record. You can't say, no, I wasn't, and there's the record if they subpoena it. But that's not your problem. Your problem right. is, do they cover you out of uh, that million-dollar policy? You're going to find out when you file a lawsuit against them in small claims for the 1200 bucks. Right. Okay. All right, give that a try. Yeah, it's a little complicated. Everybody has to understand, this is a very good point, that when you are driving for Uber or Lyft, you are not covered by your normal uh, auto policy. Uh, That's a different policy that you're driving commercially. So you really want to look into that. Uh, Hello, Kathy. Hello. Yes, ma'am. I received a letter from the uh, Assessment Appeals Board, County of Los Angeles. My daughter bought a condo. 11 years ago, and I had to co-sign on the loan. Two of us are responsible for the payment this year. She appealed the tax assessment and received a reply that instead of lowering her taxes, they raised it to $400. In addition, they sent me a letter saying that I am considered a tax agent. I have to register with a fee of $250. No, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can be a tax agent. That I just don't understand. Certainly, I understand how asking for an assessment uh, and lowering the assessment, they assess it. 
And if they assess it at a higher value, uh, then you can go back in and question that with all the proof in the world. Well, when she asked for the assessment, did she bring in the comps? Did she bring all the information to them? Yes, and part of the information was that the loan is a, uh, there are two persons responsible. That doesn't make any difference. Loan. Kathy, that doesn't make any difference. Doesn't it matter doesn't? who's responsible for the tax. Uh, it's an assessment. How much is the property worth? That's it. Yeah, and you're mixing up I, something. I miss. I'm missing something. You're mixing. It's apples and oranges. Two different letters were sent, identical, and it says the tax agent is defined as any person who is employed, is under contract, or otherwise receives compensation to communicate directly or through, et cetera, et cetera, for the purpose of influencing official action. All right. So, did you sign on the appeals application? No. Then how can it, so they're saying you're responsible just because you co-sign on the loan? Something doesn't yeah. make sense, Kathy. Exactly. No, no, no. Exactly. None of that makes sense. You have to write them back. Say, what the hell are you talking about? I don't understand this at all. Ask for an explanation, and you want to ask for uh, the exact language in the ordinance or uh, in their rule. Quoted here. Yeah. The then look it up. Then look. Then and and they say that yeah. if you sign. If you are part of the loan of the property, you're automatically uh, some kind of an agent for the purpose of tax assessment? No, it doesn't say that, but uh, it says that I am influencing official action. You never signed the you never signed the letter of appeal. You never you never signed the letter appealing the assessment. No. I, I don't well, know where um, they're going. It makes exactly. it makes no sense, Kathy. None whatsoever. Uh you I would write them back and just go, "What are you talking about?" I have never asked for an assessment. My name is not known. The only thing I am is I'm a co-signer on the loan. Where does that make me an agent in terms of uh, the assessment aspect? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. So uh, I want to share with you a story of a man accused of shooting a pastor six times in broad daylight. He is a 30-year-old Marine Corps veteran, uh, Kyle Odom is his name, has an entire, a long history of mental illness, and uh, he said that he believed that the uh, that Remington, uh, the preacher, was part of an alien conspiracy to enslave the human race, And that's why he shot him. Remington actually survived the shooting in a church parking lot and has forgiven his assailant because he is a preacher. And preachers tend to, in fact, uh, forgive. Now, clearly, Odom is nuts. Because when he said that he shot Remington because Remington was part of this alien conspiracy to enslave the human race... No one disbelieves him. Everybody understands that he is out of his mind and completely nuts. However, Remington lives in Idaho. Idaho is one of four states that doesn't allow an insanity plea. It just doesn't exist. So uh, Mr. Odom is going to trial And that's kind of a weird one. I mean, think about this for a moment. Is you are truly nuts. 
And should someone be held to a criminal violation, uh, the shooting or the stabbing of someone, in this case Remington survived, thank goodness, uh, when you are that crazy? I mean, legitimately, the devil made me do it, and you believe it. Uh, or Remington is here to enslave the human race, and I have to stop him, and you believe it. So it's uh, to even give you more idea of how nuts he is, that this was Idaho. Two days after the shooting, uh, he shows up in Washington, D.C. Uh, he was caught throwing documents and computer flash drives over the fence uh, onto the White House lawn. He had a rambling 30-page-plus uh, manifesto, thought he was being tormented by hypersexual, mind-controlling Martians. I wouldn't mind meeting one of them. Uh, he attempted suicide twice enclosing himself in a car with a lit charcoal grill, uh, went to the local Department of Veterans Affairs. They couldn't help him. He said his only option was to go after the aliens, and he can't plead uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. Now, he's obviously going to be held uh, or going to be ruled uh, guilty because the evidence is overwhelming by a judge. The good news is the judge can take into uh he can deal with that, and part of his judgment, uh, he is allowed to put him in a mental institution. I mean, the guy's guilty. There's no question about it, but the judge has the power to say, okay, guilty, no question, you're going into a mental institution. What he can't do is get out of being convicted by reason of insanity. And what happens when you, uh, when someone actually, it's a not guilty by reason of insanity. I mean, it is done. And then generally off you go uh, to a mental institution. And if you ever get to the point where you're okay and can live in society, you're let out. And you don't pay for it. Hinkley. Shooting Ronald Reagan. Killing James Brady. Actually shot him. James Brady ended up with severe uh, brain injury and then died just a couple of years ago. But uh, they attributed the death uh, to the shooting, complications of the shooting. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Uh, hey, Jimmy, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you very much, Mr. Bill Handel. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, um, well, my question was basically, I uh, seven years ago, I had a felony conviction, and this was what they call a, uh, a wobbler. It was a plea bargain that I took, and... Uh, you know, a couple of years later, what went by, and I, I did what they call the uh, the expungement, which is you know, uh, a no guilty plea was taken afterwards, and it was vacated and set aside, uh, which apparently clears you, you know, from your conviction. Yeah, because uh, if it's expunged, uh, you're sort of done, Jimmy. Okay. You're no longer for the purposes of the government. You no longer have a felony a felony on your record. Okay, good, and then so. For purposes of purchasing a a handgun, I, I did submit a form to the Department of Justice to see whether you qualify to purchase, you know, and, and to uh, own a, a fire a handgun. And they did respond me with a letter saying that I am qualified. Okay. Now, so what's your question? So the question is, once all this is done, say, you know, I go and purchase a handgun and all that. Uh, so for any reason, you know, the courts come back and say, hey, uh, you know, this. You've been convicted of a felony before. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Once it's Jimmy, once you've been expunged, it's been expunged. It's been expunged. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. 
Okay. Go ahead and get a gun and kill people, okay? No, no. No, it's strictly for, uh, you know, home protection, of course. Yeah, of and, course. Uh, Thank All, you right. Much, Mr. All right, goodbye. Yeah. yeah. It was a wobbler. He killed someone with a gun. Probably not. Uh, hello, Ray. You're up. Welcome to hey. Handle on the Law. Hi. I got a bit of a problem. Um, I'm four years into a divorce. We had a credit card debt of $16,000 at the time of the divorce. I just recently joined uh, Credit Karma, if I can say that. Sure, why not? And, uh, and uh, the debt on there now is up to $19,000. At the start of the divorce, I called up the credit card company and told them what was going on, and they told me that they were going to put a halt on the credit card. So, anyways, when I went on my credit report, it's showing a debt of $19,000 on that credit card, and I called them up. And they're saying I'm responsible for the additional debt. The additional debt being what she charged after after the divorce. Did you? And and I'm assuming you canceled the card, correct? I can't cancel it. They said because I'm the primary. Of course, I you can cancel. Wait, 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 wait. You can't cancel a card in which you are the primary. How is? I'm not the primary. My wife, my ex-wife, was the primary. Oh, I got it. Okay, so uh, and you didn't email them and saying we're now divorced. I'm not responsible for anything past this date. I just had a verbal conversation. Yeah, which they're going to deny. Which they're going to deny you ever had. Uh, all right, yes, they did. Yeah, of course they did. So, what's your question? Uh, am am I? What can I do? Do I have any recourse? No. What what kind of recourse do you have? Uh, it, a conversation that never took place as far as they're concerned, and you can't pro- uh, prove that took place, uh, you have a credit card in both of your names that both of you are responsible for that both of you can sign. How do you get out of that? That, that, that was my question. Yeah, no, you. what you do, I'll tell you what you do. What you have to do now is close that barn door, even though the horse has left. And you put in an email saying, I am no longer responsible for any charges hereafter. I want my name removed from this credit card. And you put it in no uncertain terms and keep a a copy of it. In the meantime, uh, you're looking at $19,000 with her. Yeah, $19,000. And she also had another debt of $2,065 for an overdraft protection at Wells Fargo. She hasn't made a payment on that. All right. Well, it's going to affect her credit, too. And the problem is your choice is uh, to either pay it or have your credit dinged and the uh, the bankers go after both of you. Yeah, what did, what did the, the what did the divorce decree say in terms of who pays what? Unfortunately, it doesn't say that the the, um, the account must be closed. It just says that she is responsible for the debts. That she is responsible. All right. right. Then uh, yeah, and the problem is that the credit card company doesn't know that, doesn't care, and the court has absolutely no jurisdiction over the credit card company to say, by the way, since she's responsible, you take Ray's name off. Yeah. Yeah. So you got what you have to do is stop it right here, try to go after her, and uh, get uh, get a judgment against her. Take her to court for half of the fees. The problem is, is that if... She doesn't pay. You're still responsible for all of it. Yeah, unfortunately, true. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's what you get for getting married to her in the first place. That's yeah, always your fault. See, in the end, it really is your fault for getting married. You know that, don't you? All right, Steve. Yo. Yes. Hey, Bill, I need some help. Sure. 
I'm getting drastically, unbelievably overbilled from my trash company. I just finally figured it out. I estimate it's probably close to $10,000. Over what period of time? Uh, we're talking about the last four years. Okay. So you're paying you're paying too much, and what do you mean drastically over over overbilled? Uh, where I, where do you get that idea? Yeah, what I mean is I'm probably being billed almost four times the going rate of a similar service from another company. Okay, and why are you with that company then? Well, I just figured it out now. And it's a company that you contract with, right, Steve? That's right. And uh, you've been paying that bill for four years. Yes, I have. And uh, how do you get around saying, I've been paying that bill for four years? And when they say, hey, you knew the cost. You had it right there. You signed the contract. Every month we sent you a bill. What are you going to say? I ignored it? I didn't pay attention till now? I'm going to have to say it. That's right. Yeah, that's no defense, Steve. No defense. Not at all. Wow. Even though they've been excess billing me. They haven't excess billed you. What yeah. they're what they're charging is four times more than the other companies are, and it's okay. take it or and take it or leave it, Steve. Yeah, and you decided to take it. I should have grabbed it on day one, shouldn't have I? Oh uh, well, you should have called them up on day one and said, "What the hell is going on?" But yeah. didn't they when when you first signed up with them? Didn't they send you a contract? Uh, no, actually, I inherited this from my father who passed away. And you all right? And you didn't con- and you didn't look at it and say we're canceling. That's correct. All right. Well, yeah, okay, great. So how is it? Oh, I just spilled my Diet Coke. How is it their fault that uh, you're dumb? It's not. Hello, John. Yes. Yes. What can I do for you? Okay. So uh, I got into an accident about a year ago. It was my fault. And um, it turns out that uh, the the people that I hit, the girl invented uh, an extra passenger in the car. Okay. So I called her out on it, and uh, as soon as I did that, I, I stopped receiving calls from her attorney and everybody. So I assumed that it was over. Uh, and about, uh, a couple of days ago, I, I got a letter. It seems like it's from a collections agency, uh, and they say they want to recover the the entire amount from the wreck. Uh, well, I don't know. What does that, what does that mean, the entire amount? I don't know. That, to the tune of $16,000. Okay, does that include the property damage? Does that include uh, the personal uh, the personal injury? Yeah, it, it didn't even uh, specify any of that. That's oh, then you just call, you call them up and go, excuse me, uh, where's the $16,000? Uh, you have to yeah. get, before I even start talking to you, I want an itemized list of what I owe you and for what? Or mm-hmm. what you say I owe and for what? Yeah, exactly. So you think it's a bogus letter? Should no, not necessarily. No, you have to respond to it because if it's not, but respond and say you're asking for a global amount of money that I owe you and you haven't specified at all how much of it is property damage, uh, if there's personal injury involved, any of it. As far as, uh, um, as, far as her inventing a passenger, do, does that mean I'm off the hook? No, not necessarily. If the if the passenger sued you, uh, then and and somehow you either ignored the service or they submitted garbage service, meaning that uh, they you they say they served you and they didn't. But no, mm-hmm. you have to. When you say we're getting, I need all the money back. Uh, when the the uh, lawyer says I want sixteen thousand dollars back, and that's it, nothing else, not the name of an insurance company, not the name of a driver, nothing, right? 
Yeah, exactly. No. Oh, yeah, that's then that's BS. It's BS. If they don't give a name of anybody other than we want sixteen thousand yeah. dollars, uh, yeah. no. And they, do they mention the insurance company? No, nothing. Then that's crap. Keep it. Yeah. Keep it and ignore it. Okay. All right. Just All in right. case. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it. I just sent him a letter saying I want sixteen thousand dollars for what? It's none of your business. Just give me sixteen thousand dollars, or I'm going to sue you for what? Uh, I don't care. I'll think of something. Hello, Tom. Yes. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Hey, I'm, I'm looking to get an annulment. I was married about, I got married in Vegas four years ago, but the uh, wedding never, the, nothing ever happened. Uh, okay, you're, you're sorry, mate, you've never, you never had sex? Never had sex. Oh, okay. All right, so you want to get an annulment? Uh, all right, so what's your question? My question is, uh, how do I do that? Uh, you file for an annulment. You file. No. You say you you have to have grounds to uh, have an annulment granted, but non consummation is absolutely one of those grounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's no, that's right. an issue. There's a bunch of them that you have to prove. It's actually very hard to get an annulment. Uh, fraud. You have to prove fraud. Uh, you have to prove, uh, or maybe bigamy, that she was previously married or you were previously married. Uh, by and you didn't know, or by accident, you didn't know it was a divorce, and uh, or a failure to consummate is a big one. So uh, oh, okay. you just go on the internet and uh, look under annulment and paperwork. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, internet programs out there, and just fill out the paperwork and file it. You're, you'll be fine. Okay, so I can do it. You can do it yourself. No oh problem. yeah, yeah. You don't need a lawyer for that. Oh, fantastic. Okay, okay good thank for you. you. Very much. All right. Yeah, the, getting married uh, just guarantees you're never going to have sex again. All right. Yeah, boy, a lot of us can relate to that one, right? Hello, David. Yes. Yes. Bill. Yes, sir. How's it going? Hey, um, I've got a problem. I'm, I'm working for a big company. Uh, they gave me a pay scale paper when I when I started working there about two years ago. I reached the requirements to be at the top of the pay scale, but they they are just giving me the runaround every time I ask about my raise. Okay, so let's let, okay hold on. Let's talk about uh, the pay scale. Uh, is it predicated at all about a supervisor thinking you are worth it or making a subjective decision to give you a raise? No, it's an objective decision. The pay scale is very clear. If I do a certain amount of work per day, I get that pay. I'm doing that work. Actually, okay. All right. So how big a company, David? How many people? It's huge. It's uh, very big. Okay. So did you go to HR? I went to HR. HR is also giving me the runaround. They're in the middle of a settlement right now because of the same problem. I came in a little bit afterwards. I'm still getting a small percentage of that settlement, but they seem to still be having okay. the same problem. Well, I think what's happening is you're falling through the cracks. So uh, what I would do is before you do anything legally, uh, before you uh, go to uh, the labor uh, department uh, and, and just – Go start using a, a legal avenue is what you want to do is look at when you were entitled to the raise and start sending emails to HR and say, I was entitled to my raise X date, have not gotten it yet. Can you please look into this? Followed by another one two weeks later. Followed okay. by another one two weeks later. Very uh, you want to be it. You want to do it very politely. You're not going to threaten anything. All you're going to say is, "I haven't gotten my raise yet. Would you please look into it? I haven't gotten my raise yet. Would you please look into it?" And just keep on doing that. Uh, give that a few months, 
And God forbid, well, not even God forbid, but if you have to go to court or you have to make a complaint, that looks really good, David. You're not threatening. You're not screaming. All you're doing is politely asking uh, to look into why you haven't gotten a raise. That's what I would do. Okay, next question. Are they obliged to, you know, because my supervisor told me that they're changing the policy soon. And so he's on my side. Yeah, once once they change the policy, they can do it, David. But until the policy is changed, they have to follow their own procedures manual, David. That's what they can't do is ignore their own policy. And if their policy, as written, as when you walked in, this is what you're looking at, after, for example, a probationary period, so after 90 days, certain rights kick in where they have to fire you for cause. Up to 90 days, they can fire you for whatever they want. And once you kick in on the 91st day, for example, they have to fire you for cause. Uh, then then you, you're protected. Uh, 90 days. You start at, let me hypothetically say, $20 until uh, for six months. And then automatically, assuming you don't get fired, on month six... It goes up 10% to $22. They can't say no at month six. That's their manual. They're the ones that are producing that pay scale. That's right. Okay. So up until they change the policy, am I am I uh, obl- obligated to sign their new policy? I, I no. No, absolutely policy. not. But they're going to fire you if you don't. Got it. Okay. And that, And they can do that. They can lower your wages, David, with a new policy. They can say, hey, you were making $22. Let's say hypothetically again, you were making $22. If you'd like to stay, we're now changing it to $18. But that has to be a change in the in the policy, a change in the procedures manual, as it were. They have to write it all out. So up until the point where they change the policy, am I? Am I yes, I you're entitled to, you are entitled to the raise. From the point you, from the point you made, uh, from the point you hit that, uh, when you made that position. Got it. Thank you so much for helping handle. All right. Did you just call me Handle or Mr. Handle? I think he just called me Handle. I take everything I said back. That is totally rude and disrespectful. And the only reason I bring that up is here at the radio station, everybody calls me Handle. I don't have a first name. And the word Mr. doesn't exist. Not in this building. Hey, Handel. Handel, get over here. I have a question to ask you, Handel. Hi, Mary. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Yes, ma'am. Hi there, Bill. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with this situation, but uh, one of the big box stores uh, in um, a national big box store is selling expired um, products to the elderly. Wait, just the elderly? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a minute. I'm just curious. Uh, okay. What products are being sold only to elderly people? So it's um, hearing aid batteries. And typically it's older people that use hearing aid batteries. Okay. And how, and, do you, and, so, wait, and how do you know that they're selling this across the board, or is this an anecdotal, it happened once or twice kind of thing? No, no, Bill, Bill. I have been up and down the coast of California taking pictures, taking videos, and I don't mean like two months expired. I mean going back to 2020. Hey, Mary, what, what is, I'm just curious. What is your interest in going up and down and devoting this much time up and down the uh the coast of California and taking pictures and just spending this much time. Well, 
off. Second of all, I'm in marketing, so I have to go up and down the coast anyway. So whenever I see one of these stores, I just pop in to make sure it's just not a one-off. Um, and then uh, my issue with that is that, um, that usually it's little old people. In my case, it's not my little old husband that needs hearing aids. But hearing aid batteries are really expensive. And the expiration dates are really hard to see on these. Batteries. Okay, got it. All right, fair enough. So um, what what is your question then? So how do, you know, it's not, I, I, it's not like I want money from them or anything, but they are, um, I think, uh, making money off the back of uh, well, a protected case. Oh, well, they are. I mean, the, no question that the people involved are a protected class. Uh, there's no issue. So you have a couple of choices here. Number one, you can go to uh, any firm that does class action lawsuits, because this is, if, if what you say is true, there's a hell of a class action case here. Uh, you can also take it to uh, the district attorney. Actually, if it's up and down the state of California, we're talking about the state AG, the attorney general, because uh, this could go right into a criminal uh, violation. Maybe, maybe not. Probably more of a settlement, even it'll be a civil, uh, civil settlement, but certainly a class action lawsuit if uh, what you say is true, because they can't do that. Well, Bill, uh, also my daughter in Ohio found expired batteries. Then you have the U.S. Attorney General on this. If this is across the country, this is a massive, massive case. And it could be where your husband could be one of the lead plaintiffs. Okay, so... Um so you want to get hold? Uh, you want to get hold of uh, law firms, big time law firms that do class action suits, because you can bet uh, that whatever store it is, uh, be it a Costco or Sam's Club, we don't have to be exact uh, as to what. And I'm not saying which store it is, right. and you don't want to either, because right. neither one of us get, want to get sued. But right. it's uh, uh, it's it's one of those where you know they're going to defend, and they're going to defend like crazy. But based right. on what you say, uh, Mary, that's a hell of a suit. That really is. Yeah, but. But here's the thing. It's not, um, I mean, how do you punish these people? Oh, that'll be, it'll be a, it'll be a financial settlement. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to pay a, a zillion dollars into a, uh, a, a class action settlement where everybody who uh, has a hearing aid who went to those stores and the the proof is not going to be that hard to do where if you have a hearing aid and you can say you went to that store maybe have a card uh they'll uh, they'll figure it out but it, you're talking right. many 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 millions of dollars here if okay, what you say but, is true but but, but uh, for for me or my husband it's only uh, what about what are our losses yeah that's it well that's it it's going to be a small amount of money but it'll be a zillion people so you're really doing it. You're really doing it on behalf of everybody else, Mary, because your personal loss over the last three years, because there's a statute of limitation, maybe it's eighty dollars. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So there it is. So personal. So your personal loss is going to be very little. It's just this is big picture stuff. This is dealing with a lot of people getting screwed. As far as I'm concerned, I couldn't. I couldn't care less. You know, if you get screwed and you pay too much money for batteries, uh, you know, all I do is yell louder at you. When we talk. But if it's $80 and I'm being screwed out, I'll handle it personally. It's called a small claim suit. Uh, yeah. Hello, Janet. Yeah. What? yeah. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, I was uh, wondering if you might have an answer to this. Um, I am uh, was an hourly employee as a legal secretary and uh, assistant, whatever, and I... Um, 
I have a lot of overtime that I put into the company and, you know, five and a half years worth. But uh, I never had to punch in like I'm on the computer. I mean, sometimes I come in at 3 a.m. All right. Well, you never, I mean, you're not entitled to a pension. They don't have to give you a pension, but you, you. I'm not you, saying pension. I want my overtime. Right. And you have a, and you have a record of your overtime hours, right, Janet? I don't. I don't. Well, how do you prove, then how do you prove that you've done the work? This is what he let me finish. Um, thank you so much for down, but this is it. Okay. Now, I think the best thing I, I told HR, I said, look, I'm not a computer. I'm thinking, wait a minute. There is a computer. When I put my parking uh, card in, that logs my time in and out. I go, but no, your parking is downstairs, correct? In a parking garage? Yes, sir. That doesn't prove that you went up and did the work. Now, you can yeah. argue that. Your yeah. argument is, what else would I do? No. So you, yeah. So you put in, you put in a claim. I'd put in a claim to the state of California. Now, are you still working for these people? No, no, no. they terminated me after. Okay, then go ahead and uh, put in the claim and just start bringing up what proof you can. Starting with that, if they, if there are, if there's a record of you parking uh, going in and out, but I don't know how long they keep those. I don't know how those records are kept. There's a record. It's surveillance cameras and the parking. Not going back five years. There isn't surveillance cameras. Oh, yeah, it's Wait, wait, wait. They keep surveillance video for five years? For five years they keep those records? I have no idea. Okay, that's the... All right, Janet, that's the point. All right, Janet, you're not listening to me. That's the... Okay, Janet, one more time. You're going to have to let me speak. But you're not letting me finish the info. That is correct. I'm not letting you finish. That's absolutely correct. And I am now hanging up. That's how it works. See, you can't say you're not letting me finish because that's my line. And guess who wins that conversation? This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have no case. Oh, this is a fun one out of New Jersey. This is a will contest. And I've often told you that whenever there's money and there are siblings or children Inevitably, there's a will contest, and that's what's going on here. There's a New Jersey woman who claims that her father wrongly disinherited her because of her romantic relationship with a Jewish man, and she has just lost uh, her appeal. What the court did, the appellate court upheld a lower court ruling that found Kenneth Jameson did nothing illegal when he said that his only surviving child, Stacy should not get anything from his estate. He said that his daughter had not returned the love, care, and concern which I lavished on her and instead acted uh, toward me with selfishness, manipulation, cruelty, and with abusiveness. I mean, so far, you know, you can leave money to whoever you want to leave money to. It's your money. It's his money in this case. He can disinherit. He can bring people back to the will. He can split it up. He can do anything he wants. Now, this is where it gets fun. She is saying that the will should be set aside because her dad's decision stemmed from religious bias, that her father's action violated the state's bias laws, and that the will's fabricated criticism of her was libelous. Now, remember, she's arguing because she married a Jewish man, Therefore, her dad disinherited her, and that's illegal because that's religious 
discrimination and it violates the state anti-discrimination laws. Well, here's the problem. Anti-discrimination laws have absolutely no effect when it comes to inheriting or disinheriting. Someone can disinherit all day long. Someone can say, hey, uh, you know what? I've decided I don't like your religion. I've decided I don't like who you're married. For example, I have a thing about tattoos. And I told my daughter, uh, you have a tattoo, no money. That's it. You're done. Can I do that? Of course I can do that. Can I say, if you don't marry someone of our religion, I'm going to disinherit you? Of course I can. And is that violation of anti-discrimination laws? Uh, No, because it doesn't matter when it comes to a will. And so she loses. And the appellate court noted, very interesting what the appellate court said, even though a will may be contrary to the principles of justice and humanity, and its provisions may be shockingly unnatural and unfair, the courts are required to uphold wills if the person drafting the document was competent and of sufficient age. Well, first of all, he was 81 uh, when he died, so there's no problem with the age, and no one's arguing that he was not competent. So she's out of luck. That's what you get for marrying a Jew. Marjorie did the same thing. She married a Jew. Now, her parents, who had no money, uh, would never have disinherited her because they also were Jewish. You have to be a real anti-Semite to be Jewish and then disinherit someone for marrying a Jew. But she's out of luck. She's done. Which is correct, incidentally. Because if you start talking about what's allowed and not allowed in deciding who inherits money, then you've gotten in crazy time. Okay, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hi, Cynthia. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Bill. Yes, go ahead. If I am able to sue my ex-husband for the use of my credit card to pay for his DUI lawyer when we were married. Yeah, well, first of all, the fact that he's using it for a DUI lawyer or not or using it to go on a vacation, none of that matters. But how is he able to use your credit card and... Uh, or a credit card that both of you own, and and you're and he's an ex. How does that work? He, it, it happened at the time we were married, and he was not a joint account holder, um, but an authorized user. He was an authorized user. Yes. Uh, there's nothing you can do, Cynthia. He's allowed to do that. It doesn't matter what he spends it on. You gave him the you gave him the permission to use the card. I mean, how do you get around that? What are you going to do? Saying if he used it for a DUI and therefore uh, I want to sue him? Based on what? More that there was a judgment and my wages have been garnished. Yeah, damn right it is because you gave him the right to use that card. And they sued and got a judgment. See, the problem is this is your fault for not stopping the credit card instantly and uh, taking his name off, then it doesn't matter. Then you're off the hook. But when did he do this? How, how much time subsequent to the divorce or when he left uh, did he get this DUI and use the credit card? This DUI occurred while we were married, and um, the judgment came just a couple years ago. So the divorce, that was in 2006. All right, so while you were married. Well, that's what you get. You know, if if you each have uh, cards, I mean, my wife and I, 
we share credit cards. She's an authorized user. I'm an authorized user. It's, uh, it, I think a couple are in just my name, and she's an authorized user. She goes out. And she wants to spend twenty grand and take a boyfriend to Las Vegas. There's nothing I can do, Cynthia, other than kill her, which I would do instantly. All right, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, hey Bill. I got a question. Yes. I got an email this morning from some payday loan company saying. I owed them this amount of money. They're being represented by this law firm. If I don't pay them six hundred and something dollars, they're going to come after me. Okay, no, they're not. No, they're not. You want to contact that law firm and say, "Please send me the paperwork." Okay, well, because I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember this. Doesn't matter. Let them send you the paperwork. Maybe you were drunk. I have no idea, Mike. And it may be a scam. And Mike, this may be a scam. Or it okay. may be uh, a situation that is already outside of the statute of limitation. Ask for all the paperwork. That's the first thing you ask for. Okay, what if I just ignore it? You, I wouldn't. Okay. If Because they can start going, and you, the last thing you want to do is get caught up in the system. Okay. Ask well, for the – because also, if it turns out that it is uh, – if they, if they, in fact, go ahead and go after you – uh, and they're wrong, they can argue good faith. Gee, that's our information. If you send them an email, say, send me the paperwork, and they don't, they've already been put on notice that th- you have asked for it. So they can't come back later and say, well, gee, uh, he never asked for a, uh, he never asked for documentation. Uh, he, we did it in good faith. All of that disappears. Does it matter if it's out of state? No. Nope. It doesn't. Nope. Okay. Okay, thank you. Do the email, please, and get it going. And respond for everything and send an email on a regular basis. Every time, here's what's probably going to happen, is you're going to send the email, send me all the paperwork. They're going to ignore it and send you another demand. You're going to say, pursuant to my last email, I'm sending you another request for documentation. They're going to ignore it. You're going to come back and say, please send me the email. I have absolutely no recollection, or do I have any paperwork relating to this alleged debt and what ends up happening is the the more they ignore it and you keep on going the stronger you're going to be when you go after these bastards hi ernie yeah yes how you doing yes sir what can i do for you ernie i got a, i got a question for you i've been living in my house for 20 years i got a neighbor that's been there owns a house for 20 years uh i've contacted the uh, riverside county uh, pest control He's got rats coming over from his house, and uh, they confirmed that the rats are coming over from his house, and they went into my spa and ate up all the wires. All right, and a couple problems. Uh, They confirmed that the rats were coming from his house. You have a written report that says that, correct? Yes, yes. I find that fascinating that they're saying that's where the rats are coming from, not from a backyard, uh, not from brush in the area, but from his house. From his house. Okay, well, all right. Then uh, that's an easy one, assuming uh, that that's the case, is that you, uh, whatever it's going to cost to uh, rewire the spa, you sue him. You take him to small claims court. Now, What if I need to replace it? Then whatever it costs. I mean, the entire spa, sure. I mean, if if that's the cheaper way of doing it, or or the wiring can't really be repaired and changed out, how much money are you talking about? We're talking about six grand. Okay, well, there's your small claim suit, but it's very interesting. If I'm the judge, uh, or yep. if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, 
You know, even though we have rats coming from my house, is the position of the plaintiff, Ernie, that that's the only place the rats came from was from my house. It couldn't have come from any place else. Rats only exist in my uh, at his house. Otherwise, there would be no rats in the neighborhood. Okay, that's literally you're going to have to make the argument that there is a connection and there is no other way of proving it. It's a tough one. Now, do they say specifically that the rats have got you? Know, I, 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 want, I don't know how they did that, saying that they can pinpoint to one house and saying that's where the rats are coming from. Because that house is a mess and that's the only house that's a, that's a threat. That's, it's, it's bad. See, I, I don't get it. Up, all these houses are upkept. Yeah, but so, Ernie, so so are mine. My house is, uh, I keep it in really good shape. And guess what we found in that? Guess what we found in the house a couple of years ago? Rats. Rats. And my house is spotless, Ernie. The Persian Palace? Yeah. We had rats. Wow. Well. And it's spotless. Ernie, I'm just telling you, it's spotless. That's not to say, incidentally, you're not going to win, Ernie. I'm just throwing, uh, I'm being the devil's advocate here. I'm throwing as much at you uh, that you're probably going to see, and you just have to have an answer. And if your answer is, Your Honor, you can say whatever you want, here is the written statement by the uh, the city, by yeah. Building and Safety. There it is. It's written from his house. That's where it came from. There's my wiring eaten up by rats. Maybe you have a shot at it. I mean, you have nothing uh, to lose, Ernie. You have to replace yeah. your spy anyway. What's the statute of limitations on that? Uh, yeah, three years, four years. Yeah, it's only been two. Now. Yeah, you're. I think you're okay. Uh, and then just put a bunch of rat traps uh, on your yard, that's all, and put a lot of them there. What? I have. I put, I, I put those sticky ones, too. Sticky? Wait a second. Sticky rat traps? Yeah, those sticky ones. They, they step on them, and they can't get out. Those are fly traps. No, they're sticky ones. You lay them on the floor, and they're like probably like uh, eight by eight, and you can't even, you put your finger on it, you can't get it off. Huh. Never heard of that. But anyway, those, uh, okay, Ernie, that's, uh, that's the way I would answer that. I find that very strange that a uh, building and safety person or a health inspector would come out and say it's only from there. Rats live in bushes. They live in uh, all kinds of underbrush. So there's, they live in anything where there is green and growth. They don't live on yard, on lawn. So I'm assuming in the neighborhood there's only lawn. There are no bushes. There is nothing where rats can live on, and it's only this guy's house. Why do I have a hard time believing that that's the case? And I've never heard of an eight-by-foot sticky rat trap. You, you have, huh, Mike? But doesn't dirt get on it, and it, it then in a matter of a couple of days, the dust gets on it, it doesn't work, you throw it away and put another one on? Okay. I should do that with my kids. Let him get stuck right there and let him squirm for a while. All right, Rose. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have a uh, a piece of property, uh, and for $43, a year and a half later, the $43 is for the, the, the water bill. They said, if you don't pay this $43, you're going to have a lien, a possible lien on your home. Who said that? The water company? Yeah, the water company. So pay them 43 bucks, Rose. What do you care? Well, because they didn't do right by me before. Rose, are you really going to argue for $43? Yes, 
No, I guess not. Are you really going to do that? I have no idea. I mean, they're not going to throw a lien on there, but it's not even worth getting in, in involved with them no, for 40 yeah, It's $43, Rose. Okay. okay, I understand you. Now, there's another thing. My parents, they belong to... Your parents? Family. You sound like you're 150 years old. Do you have parents that are still alive? Yes, yes. How old are you, Rose? <laughs> I want to marry 60. You're what? God, you sound so much older than that, Rose. I can't even... I thought when you got on, you'd say you'd be in your 80s. Okay, how old are your parents, by the way? The $300,000, and you said, when are you going to kill her? All right, Rose, let me ask you, uh, how old are your parents? Well, they're now in their 80s. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right, so what... Okay, you have a question about your parents. The social ethnic club, and they were told that... Uh, that they have to get rid of the club. Uh, does that mean that they're shareholders, the people, the members? That they have All right, hold on. Wait, 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 Rose. Rose, they are members of a social ethnic club, right? Yes, yes. What is a club? Italian club. Oh, what a shocker. I didn't know you were Italian. Just an Italian <laughs> club, right? All right, so they're members of the club, and who told them they have to get uh, rid of the club? Well, everything, nobody's attending, hardly anybody's attending. Oh, I got it, and they're going to sell everything they have? Yeah. Okay. That that's split up among the members. Who, split up in my, yeah. Who's ever a member? Who's ever a member at the charity? Yeah. Uh, they can give it to charity. They can split it up among the members. They have their choice. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. And I love when you to when you have that sense of humor. I love it. I listen to you every Saturday morning. All right. Thanks, Rose. Thank you. That doesn't sound like an old Italian broad. I don't know what does. Hello, Gerald. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi there, sir. Yes, sir. I have a question about starting, uh, possibly starting a nonprofit, uh, basically for my daughter who is an aspiring Olympic athlete, and the lessons are basically getting a little out of control, to where I'm in the fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year um, type of money coming out for this, and I have a couple of people who are interested in donating, and I'm just curious if. Paying the fees and starting a nonprofit is a good way to go. Is it all legal? Uh, is there any other tax ramifications? Yeah, I, actually, uh, here's here's the problem. Everybody uh, confuses nonprofit with a 5013C in which uh, donations are tax deductible. And they're two very, very different things. Okay. So uh, a nonprofit is going to do nothing. Okay. Uh, yeah, what you want to do is just have people want to help you write a check. The problem with that that I come with is because of the the amount is is a lot higher, especially like uh, businesses. Businesses are interested; they like that number. They they like the number of being able to write the write the the dollar amount off. They can't. They cannot. No, okay. absolutely not. Okay. There's no deductibility there whatsoever. Deductible. When you talk about it's a, it has to be a charitable organization. And you, it takes about a year to get uh, the okay, or at least eight months from the uh, IRS. And it's a very long process. The application is absolutely brutal. And you have to, in specificity, tell them what educational or what beneficial charitable organization, what it's going to be doing. Is it going to feed the kids? It's not. You can't put down, my daughter is going to be trained. Okay. Yeah, it just isn't going to happen. Just have people write you a check. I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And then nonprofits are just nonprofits. There are no, no tax consequences whatsoever, except that the corporation doesn't pay taxes. That's all it does. And it has to make no profit at the end of the year. So, uh, and I think there's all kinds of 
requirements as to how much money. You don't, I don't know how much money can be left in the account. There are certain uh, – it, it does hit some requirements, but no. Now, everybody thinks, oh, boy, I can deduct the money. No. Hello, Linda. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Okay. I have a friend who lives in San Jose. She and her husband have lived in their house for 50 years. In November, she retired. A couple weeks later, the husband has a stroke. Not her fault, of course, but he had a stroke. Totally paralyzed on the left side. While she's dealing with that, her house burned down. Mm. I assume her husband wasn't in the house at the time. He was not in the house. Okay. That's helpful. Okay. All right. Um, Anyway, she calls the insurance company to report it, and they said, sorry, ma'am, he missed the last insurance premium. We're not going to cover you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any chance at all? No. Okay. No. I mean, you you have to pay to keep your house insured, and you can't miss five minutes. Okay. Yeah. My question. Okay. That answers that. I mean, that's a tough one, but you have to. As a matter of fact, when you buy a car, for example... You don't drive it off the lot until there is a binder, until you call your insurance company and say, I'm buying this car, and you have to be bound by it. Now, some policies say you're automatically bound and you have up to 30 days or two weeks. But, man, do you have to make absolutely sure. Same thing with homeowners, uh, because this can happen. And they could have been paying for 50 years. And if they miss the payments by one day, well, one day is, um, eh, you could argue one day. But you certainly can't argue the last uh, premium, especially if it was months ago. Now, usually they'll send you notification. And they'll say, you've missed your last payment. But what's going to happen, they're going to say we sent it. And it's first class mail. So it's not as if, it's registered mail, or it's not as if someone can sign for it. That's too bad when that happens. You know, but there's a silver lining. My house is fine. Lola! Hi. Yes, welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, Are you on a speaker, Lola? Um, no, I'm not. You're not on a speakerphone? No, I'm not. Wow, That's it's a little it's a little echoey. Maybe you're in the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> I am in a in a big bathroom. Yes. Oh, um, excellent. Excellent. That's good. I love that when people call me while they're in the bathroom. But please, no, go no, ahead. No, it, it was for privacy, you know, for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so did you read my question? Or I know. You can You can answer, ask the question. Okay. Uh, okay. My question was, my husband got fired from Home Depot after 10 years mm-hmm. of working as a warehouse supervisor. And that was on two days ago. And um, he had two toes amputated uh, with, uh, from October until he went back recently about three weeks ago on medical leave, FMLA. And then um, after 10 years, they just called him on and they said that three of his workers had said, they didn't give him names or, or dates or nothing, they had said that he allowed them to work the forklifts or something, something that they need to be verified on. But... Um, and they said they weren't, but uh, that's it. All right. Uh, I mean, let me ask your, you, uh, does your husband say that just never happened? Um, he said that those guys, before he went on medical leave, like last year, like in before October, for sure, those guys were sent out in a group to be certified. All right. So his understanding is they were certified. Correct. Okay. And uh, he's been fired and didn't... Uh, didn't ask for an appeal, didn't go to the, the his supervisor, and did they say just too bad? Nothing. 
Wait a sec. No. He asked for he asked for some kind of he asked for some kind of hearing. No, he has to. Like, he has to. Lola, Lola, here's the deal. First of all, they have a right to fire him for any reason. All right? In California, you have the right to fire someone for any reason whatsoever, except okay. for race, creed, religion, gender, that sort of thing. And he can't be fired for medical purposes, but that doesn't matter because this has nothing to do with the medical situation. But you're talking about a major company that just doesn't fire someone arbitrarily. So he has to go to his supervisor and simply explain, hey, when when I was there, they had been sent off to be certified. And my understanding is they were certified. So I would think that his if I were the employer, I'd go, okay, unless it's policy that he has to see the certification, physically has to see it. No, it's not. Okay, then I think he's going to be okay. I think the company's going to reinstate him. I, I don't have much problem with this. Uh, you mean like that without hiring a lawyer? Yeah, he doesn't need to know. Not at this point. No, you don't want to. By the way, you don't have much uh, much of a case if you hire a lawyer anyway. This is one of those you want to go internally. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. He thinks HR is just on site, but I told him. Yeah, no, you go to HR. Problem. You go to HR. You explain the situation. You go up the uh, the chain of command. You go as far as you can. At this point, you don't want to even get near hiring a lawyer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. and don't and he can't dance on his toes anymore. I know ballet's out of the question. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Hey, Kim, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. So I have a van that I left with my mechanic was supposed to be repairing the door and the door only. I get a call from my insurance company. Apparently, this guy took my van out at three o'clock in the morning, wrecked it, flipped it, totaled it. I get a call from them telling me that um, there's a mailbox or something that's been destroyed on the property, and I'm just we're going to court May the 31st. And where do I stand? I don't. Well, okay, hold on. When you say you're going to court, who's suing whom? Well, I filed. I went to the police department and I filed an unauthorized use claim on him. All right, where stealing my car? Got it. So uh, it's actually didn't steal the car. It's uh, a conversion. It's uh, more of unauthorized use because he had the car. Okay, but uh, let's talk about the lawsuit. Who's suing who? Whom? Uh, Um, I there um the. I'm trying to get all together. The yard that he flipped the car in, that homeowner is trying to sue my insurance company because there was a mailbox that was destroyed. Okay. All right. So you're fine. Just turn it over to your insurance company and let them worry about it. I'm assuming that they're providing the attorney, right? As far as I know, the insurance company is investigating. Okay. We're going to make a decision. Okay. But what can I do about the loss of the van? Can I? Yeah. You. You. That? What you do? You. No. You don't want to. You don't want to sue. You want to get it off your insurance. Have your insurance yeah. company, and then they go against the guy. Okay. That's why you have insurance. It's called uh, what they're going to do. If you look at your insurance policy, it says in the event there is an uninsured or underinsured driver, and effectively what this is is an uninsured driver because he took it without your permission, and any insurance company that, that he has or the company has is going to bail out and say, no, you know, we don't cover you when you steal other people's cars. So what you have is your insurance company, and it's just a claim you file with your insurance company that then pays you, and then they go after the driver. It's called a subrogation. So uh, just talk to your insurance company or talk to the lawyer that is representing you in the insurance company. Now, are you being sued in small claims court or is this uh, superior court? 
No, I don't think um, uh, I don't know how far this has gone so far. Well, wait a second. If you if you have a court date, how do you know you have a court date? Where's the document? Well, from the file that um, what I filed against him at the police station, they gave me the paper that said we're going to court because I said he. You have have you been have you been served with a summons? No, not me. Then you're not going. Who's been served? The the guy who stole the car. Then then you, why are you going to court? Um, because I'm trying to um, make sure that he gets in trouble. I guess I'm not sure. I just want I want to have my bases covered. It doesn't. You know, it, it doesn't even matter. Are you being called as a witness? No. Then you have nothing to do with the case. So when you go to court, you're going to just sit there and watch what happens. You'll be in the audience and you'll just sit and watch it. You have nothing to do with the case unless they call you as a witness, and there's nothing to call you about. Okay. He's not denying that he had the car. He's not denying that you gave it to to uh, him. Right. I don't know what they're saying in terms of how it's not his fault. I mean, I you know, what's he going to say? No. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you're at this point, I wouldn't worry about uh, going to court. You can go, not go, but you have nothing to do with the case. Okay. I all right. Don't want to have my insurance. You know. Oh, your insurance is going to be all over this. Okay. Oh, believe me, you're unless you unless you plan on on fixing the car yourself and then suing him. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, then let your then you're involved with your insurance company. You want to talk to your insurance agent. That's who you have a conversation with. Nobody else. Okay. And then they take care of it, and they will turn around and sue under their subrogation clause. And here's what a subrogation clause is all about: is when the insurance company pays you off and it's someone else's at fault. Your own insurance company pays you off. Then they have a right to go after that person to get their money back. You give them the right. In other words, you hand them the case. And then they go after them. And they usually get the money. No, uh, they almost never get their money. But sometimes they get some of it. Sometimes they get all of it if they're lucky. But uh, usually it's a big no. Uh, hello, Karen. Yes, Bill. Uh, a friend of mine has a son that's been separated from his wife. And uh, she's pregnant with twins from somebody else. If the divorce isn't final, would he be responsible? For Probably not. No, I don't think so, especially since they were separated. And today, a DNA test is really easy to do. Uh, and so, no. I mean, there's a presumption that he would be the father if they were married, but they're not. Yeah. Separated I'm and not- divorce is virtually the same thing. So he's basically off the hook. Yeah, everybody that they know know that it's not his. Well, I know. It doesn't matter if everybody knows it's not his. Uh, yeah. It's up to the court to determine that it's not his. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All, all the uh, yeah. Uh, all the gossip in the world doesn't matter if TMZ comes out and says it's not his. Uh, that don't matter none. That's a case that came up from Appalachia. This is handle on the law marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have uh, no case. All right. About 60 years ago, uh, the town of Tisdale, Saskatchewan, this is up in Canada, is, uh, well, they've been known as the land of rape and honey. Uh, wait, wait a minute. How is that possible? Well, town officials, first of all, unanimously uh, elected, uh, decided to change the slogan. And they now have a new slogan. Uh, that's easy to understand. Uh, it's no longer the land of rape and honey. Okay, so with that being said, how is it possible for a town 
to uh, declare itself, its slogan, as the land of rape and honey. By the way, the new uh, community is declaring itself, uh, uh, Tisdale, opportunity grows here. All right, here's where we go back. The rape refers to rapeseed crops that are grown in the area. Uh, The honey is because there's a 16-foot roadside statute that's uh, considered the world's largest honeybee. So it's the land of rape and honey. And someone finally figured out, you know, maybe that's not such a good idea. Maybe we ought to change that one around. 3,200 people uh, northeast of Saskatoon, and finally someone figured out the land of rape and honey doesn't work. All right, so a couple of other uh, notable town slogans I want to share with you just uh, for fun. A hooker, Oklahoma. It's a location, not a vocation. That's funny. Hut Valley. Right up my Hut Valley. <laughs> uh, that's in uh, New Zealand. Okotos, uh, uh, Alberta. There are a number of things to do in Okotoks. In La Crosse, uh, Kansas, it's the barbed, barbed wire capital of the world. <laughs> Strong Maine. That's the toothpick capital of the world. Uh, Cheshire, Connecticut, the bedding plant capital of Connecticut. Linesville, Pennsylvania. This is definitely one of my favorite. Where the ducks walk on fish. Explain that one to me, would you please? Beaver, Oklahoma. You'd think with Beaver, Oklahoma, where that would be where you'd go. No. It's the chow, it's the cow chip capital. Dumas, Arkansas. Home of the ding dong daddy. Bushnell, South Dakota. It's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from here. And then finally, Gas, Kansas. Don't pass gas. Stop and enjoy it. That, I love those town fathers. How can you not love that town? All right, let's go ahead and take some uh, phone calls. All right, Mark. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? My son uh, was killed in a scooter accident about five weeks ago. Ooh, ooh. How old was he? 28. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. And it was, so, uh, you said, a scooter accident? Yeah. He, uh, I don't know what happened. I really, I haven't seen the police report. Okay. Um, but he ran into the back of an SUV. Oh, oh. It was on a motor, basically a motor scooter, motorcycle? No, a scooter, small scooter. Okay, the kind that doesn't, uh, the kind that doesn't have an engine on it. No, it's got a very small engine. Oh god, okay, all right, one of those electric scooters. Got it. All right, and he ran into the back of an SUV and he was killed. That's a strange one. Now, by the way, I okay, how did that happen? Kind of thing. All right, but l- let's go on with your yeah, question. That's one thing I'm living with. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, so he died without a will, of course. Young kids. Uh. But I don't want to open up probate. Well, what did he have, for, Mark? What 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 did he own? From what I could see, well, he didn't really own much. Of the scooter that was totaled. Yeah. Uh, and what I can tell from receipts, maybe uh, two thousand dollars in the bank. I can't close the account for forty days. Then just wait forty days. You don't have to do. You don't have to go to probate, Mark. Not for two thousand dollars. Right. And then once I, if I take, if I close the account and take possession of the money, 
does that automatically make me responsible no. with that money to no. pay the bills? Absolutely not. I mean, theoretically, you're supposed to. And uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, the law says you take the money and you have, for example, have to pay for burial expenses. That comes first. And then any, I already did that. Uh, then you can reim- then you reimburse yourself for that, Mark. You're, you know, just take the money. No one's going to argue with that, Mark, at all. Because right now he's got. He's got more bills than I. Yeah, then don't even. Then, then what you do is simply put uh, deceased on it. No one's going to go after you, Mark. I mean, theoretically, you're supposed to take that money and use it to pay the bills. But for two thousand dollars, Mark, nobody, but nobody is going to go after you for that. And then the argument is, is that effectively you fronted the money for uh, his burial. I mean, I can't even imagine burying a kid. And he um, and you're allowed. And then your argument is, I just reimburse myself for the cost of burial. So I don't just take the money. Just take the money, Mark. Okay? I just assume. I just assume deposit it in my grandson's college. Yeah, account. you can do whatever you want with it, Mark. You do whatever you want to do with it. Go ahead, boy. That is a tough one. Whew. All right, Trixie. Hi, Trixie. Hi, I was involved in a rear-end accident about three months ago, and the person left the scene of the accident. Um, I had to chase her down to get her to stop. Um, the police refused to come to the scene after two hours, so I went to the police station to file a report, and they refused to take a report. I hired an attorney to try to do something to uh, for against her, uh, the other driver, and he won't do anything. So what's my next move? Well, what do you mean he won't do anything? Yeah, the attorney is not going to try to convince the police uh, to to do something. I'm surprised, though, they won't take a police report. That one, yeah, me I, too. I, that one I find interesting. You walk in and you go, I want to file a police report on a, a hit and run in which I was hit. And they're saying, we won't take the report? They wouldn't take the report, and they even told me I was at the wrong police station. Okay, well, it could be. Maybe it's the nearest police station. I have no idea how that works. Uh, but you would think that anybody, uh, any police station would take the report. But maybe there's a procedural issue where you have to go to the nearest police uh, station, the nearest one to the accident. I don't know what policies, and I don't know the law. But Trixie, just uh, go in again at a different time. Talk to the watch commander. Talk to the sergeant in charge. Say, I want to file a police report. And by the way, what good does that do you? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, but at I mean, least think I about have a report that. against her. Well, what good is, against her. is that going to go against her? I mean, uh, in terms of, uh, if, are you talking uh, in terms of criminally? Yeah, I want to do gonna something. Do it. Trixie, they're not going to do anything. But legally, what can I do against her? She needs to, something law, needs to be you, done against her. You file a lawsuit against her for being, uh, that she rear-ended you. That's it. You file a lawsuit. That's all you can do civilly. As far as the criminal in, aspect, in, you, you have absolutely no say in whether she's going to be charged or not. None. Um, small claims court? Yeah, sure. How much damage was there? Uh, probably about, well, my car's total, so the, you know, the value of my car. How much was the value of your car? Uh, probably 5000 Uh, You can go through insurance, your own insurance. Because um, I already did that already, but I just really want her to be punished. She was driving without a license, I know, without Trixie, insurance. It doesn't matter. She's not. not she's not going to be punished, Trixie. Ah, uh, that's too bad. And if you've already been uh, paid by the insurance company, you can't go double dipping. You can't get money from her and your insurance. Okay, you, you've already gotten your money. That's the problem. I know how frustrating that is. 
and you wa- want someone punished. But when the cops don't want to punish, when they, when they don't care, they don't care. Become a cop. Go to law school and uh, get hired by the district attorney's office, and then you can go after people, especially if they hit you. Hello, Robert. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, I have a question. I hired an attorney to take care of a bench warrant for my son, and up to this point, it's going on three weeks, and he hasn't done nothing about it. Could I uh, do something about that? Yeah, call him up and say, how come he haven't done anything in three weeks? Well, you know what? He uh, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't even answer my phone calls. You know, tell me, hey, I got to get your paperwork. Okay. Back. All right. So. Then you want to send him an email and say you're getting very close to me reporting you to the state bar for abandoning me as a client. That's the magic word you want to use: abandoning. However, three weeks does not cut it, Robert. Yeah, they said. Well, actually, it's already a month now going down. This Even a month different. doesn't really cut it. But once you say abandonment. And I'm going to report you to the state bar. Uh, believe me, he'll wake up. The last thing he wants to do is get in front of a bar hearing officer and uh, start talking about how he didn't abandon his client because they'll open up an investigation. So tell him that. Just say, you know what? Bar complaint, abandonment. Uh, are you going to do my work for me or not? Okay, sounds good. Thank All right, you try much. that. Because that's one thing the bar does do. I've told you this time and time again, especially in California is uh, the bar is crazy. And when you get weird complaints, I mean, I've actually had complaints about me giving marginal legal advice. Saying uh, he's giving legal advice and he's calling it marginal. And uh, I don't know what that means. And gee, uh, I think it's real advice. And uh, and not even damage, just in case he, in case someone follows him or follows in advice, they may be hurt. That's a complaint that was filed with the state bar. They opened up a case. I got a letter. Uh, Go figure. I had to respond to the letter. And then, okay, uh, and they don't even say you're fine. They just say there's no evidence that we go further. The case is, actually, it's not even dismissed. It's just there is no evidence to go forward. So we're closing the file. Margie. Hello, Margie. Welcome. Margie, you there? Hello? Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? I have a question on how to name an individual defendant that owns a nursing home. How do you name them? You name them. You file well, you file a lawsuit, and so tell me what happened, that you have a defendant that owns a nursing home. My son was a patient in the nursing home. Wow. And he died. Ooh. Um, How old was he, Bargy? 37. And what was he doing in a nursing home? Did he have, uh, was there an accident that pre, uh, that uh, was prior to that? Yes. Oh, oh, boy, that's tough. A car accident? Yes, it was. Oh, oh. How long had he been in uh, the care of that nursing home? At, at that nursing home? Yeah, or, uh, or the nursing home that you think uh, effectively had something to do with him dying. Five days. Just five days. All right. So what uh, what did they do wrong in you, uh, that either your opinion or what you know? They did not give him the prescribed medication to control constipation, and he died from a perforated bowel. Wow. Okay, and there's a, uh, there's a medical report that yeah. refers to that, and it says that specifically? Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. Have you gone to a personal injury lawyer? Yes, I have. And what does the lawyer say? 
They're telling me that they cannot name the individual owner. Why? Because he's under a corporation. Okay, so that's, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because you're, you're suing a corporation. That's the whole point of corporations, Marjorie. Correct, but how do I pierce that corporate veil and name him as an, as an individual? Well, you can't if it's a legitimate corporation. I mean, piercing a corporate veil means that there is enough that they have done, uh, for example, uh, mixing up uh, accounts, paying for private uh, uh, debts out of that account, uh, really having a corporation that doesn't exist as a corporation. And you can't just allege it, Margie. They're, they're going to throw it out of court. You just can't say, I think you have to have some information that they're, that you know of or there is an indication that the corporation can be pierced. Otherwise, okay. otherwise, there'd never be a corporation that it would exist. There would That's be no, true. there would be no shield to a corporation. Right. Okay. So if you don't have information, uh, there's no place to go. And the person, the owner, is simply going to be the corporation is going to be held responsible. And whatever uh, insurance uh, they have, and uh, that—that's that's. I'm sorry about that. that's a tough one to lose your kid. And when did this happen? Yeah. Um, September 2014. All right. So this. Uh, okay. Sorry about that, but no. The answer to your question is uh, uh, is a corp- corporation is ex- they're d- designed exactly to do that to shield uh, the owners. Uh, Patsy, hi, Patsy. Hi, Handel. Thanks for letting taking my call. Sure. So my husband was bit by a um, stray dog two to three weeks ago, I should say, without running around the neighborhood that we were visiting in. And after he was bit, animal enforcement got involved, and we're still pending the hearing, but he's still getting medical treatment. And I'm wondering, how do we file for, I imagine it'd be the owner's homeowner's insurance? Oh, that's up to them to decide whether it goes to homeowners or not. But you know the owner of the the dog, right? Yes, yes, we do. Okay, then uh, how badly was your husband uh, bit? He, well, I would say we're probably several hundred dollars out of pocket right now. With um, it was a bite to his leg, so we yeah. had to have a tetanus shot. Got and it. Got second yeah. round All right, that, that's a small claim suit against the owner of the house. That's it. Okay. Yeah, you don't worry about the insurance. The insurance uh, defends them, and uh, so you just give it to them. You just say, "Hey, I'm making a claim." Just hand them uh, a copy of uh, the medical bill. Say, "Here, pay it up," and either pay it up, hand it over to the insurance company that'll write you a check especially if you're only talking medical expenses. Uh, and if not, you simply file a small claim suit. But the insurance company will write you a check. So we should be able to copy the medical um, yeah. bills that we've had and then just send sure. them over. Yeah, now, it could be that there is a deductible that he has. Okay. And my guess is that if you're talking several hundred dollars, there may be more than that as a deductible. Because okay. that's under a home insurer. That's under homeowners. Uh, and I'm trying to remember what my deductible is on homeowners when I file a policy and maybe it's a thousand dollars or something, but uh, that's what you do. Send them a bill okay. and say, you don't pay this. We're suing you in small claims court for the medical damage. Okay. You're home free. Not a problem. Perfect. That Thanks. was easy. Hello, Sonia. Welcome to handle on the law. Hi. Um, a year ago, I won a judgment from the labor board from an ex employer who didn't pay me my last paycheck. I tried to sue her at small claims court, but the judge at the time told me that I had already won the judgment, but I haven't seen any money. Yeah, you get to collect it. Sonia, you get to collect it. How do I collect it? All right, is it a company that's still in business? Yes. All right, you can go, uh, the marshals will go pick it up. Literally, you, you hand it to the marshals to enforce the judgment. They will walk in. 
and uh, pick up money that's in the till or just grab equipment. It's a little bit uh, more difficult than that. You're going to have to pay, I think it's $250 a day, but you get that back. Okay. And I'm assuming, how, how much are we talking about, Sonia? Um, the judgment is for $7,800. All right. Do you have a check that they've ever written you? Yes, I actually do. It was bounced. I, okay, that's I the account. Then you want yes. to go against the bank account. You, do can, I also, have... you can also mm-hmm. have the marshal serve the bank, and there's the bank account number. And they'll. And keep... How about if, if, if the bank account is closed or then you have to go? <laughs> then you have to go. Then you have to go find it. And uh, there is, and, and I think there's also a criminal violation for them not paying if they can without going bankrupt. Even then, they may be liable for not paying a judgment. Have you talked to uh, the labor folks? I have, and all they they keep telling me is, like, you won the judgment. That's it. But I, I haven't collected anything. It's been a, a while now. Yeah, and- you may want to call a collection agency also, because they take a pile oh. of money, or maybe a collection attorney, and say, you know what, uh, let me buy an hour of time, uh, or even half an hour of time, and say, I, you know, can you help me with this, and I'll be more than happy to pay for uh, the time I spend with you. Uh, so you, you can try it a bunch of different ways, but uh, it's usually companies pay labor board decisions. This is kind of uh, this kind of unusual. I don't hear this very often, and uh, I'm surprised that uh, they don't have an enforcement ability other than saying, "Hey, you got the judgment. Leave us alone." I mean, that's what happens in court. Certainly, the court doesn't have the ability to enforce. But I'm kind of wondering why uh, the state of California, the labor board, wouldn't. But I, I would try all of that to see if that works. And then you can call me back and say, uh, none of that worked. And I go, that's nice. Hey, Alvin. Hi, how you doing? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Okay, um, my daughter is half Chinese and half Cambodian yeah. from the mom's side. And from my side, half black and half Thai. Okay. And so when she was born, we didn't know what race to put on there, so we put other Fine. on the birth certificate. And? <laughs> and now my daughter wanted to claim the Cambodian ethnicity. So how do we change that on the birth certificate? Uh, you know what? I First of all, do you need to in order to claim uh, any ethnicity? Is this for the purposes of school? Is this for the purposes of a job? Why does she want to change it? She want to change it because she want to be Cambodian on her birth certificate. That's it. Uh, yeah, you can ask for a change in amended birth certificate. I mean, not that it's just she wants to do it for fun, basically, or because she has some uh, connection with her ancestry that she wants to acknowledge on her birth certificate. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if she has the right to do that. Maybe she does. And so it's just oh. it's just a motion in front of the court asking for an amendment on the birth certificate. And that's okay, because oh uh, yeah, because uh, my wife uh, is like the king's uh, granddaughter ah, in Cambodia, got and so it. that's why she want to change it. All right, so she wants to be connected to the king. Sure, why not? So it's just uh, you can look this up. It's real easy. It's a procedural issue. I don't even think okay. you need a lawyer on that. Just uh, look at the rules of amending uh, a birth certificate. And I, will they do that? Ah, oh, probably. Uh, interesting. All right, Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Hi. I just have a question about, is it illegal to sell copies of death certificates of famous people? I don't think so. It's a public document. Oh. And uh, you're, yeah, I don't, I, don't th- I don't think that's a problem. 
Oh, okay, lovely. I've got like Marilyn Monroe. And- yeah, I, don't, I think you can do that. I think you can sell death certificates. Now, her estate can argue that uh, you are uh, using her selling her image, but you're not. What you're doing is simply selling a public document. Oh, my goodness. This is so awesome. Yeah. I've got, I've got loads and loads and loads. Uh, excellent. That's actually a very clever idea to yeah. try to sell. What are you going to sell them for? I For money. <laughs> Thank you. I understood that. Uh, how much do you think you're going to sell them for? I don't know. I really need to research it. I mean, I've got W.C. Fields, Danny Bryce. No, I get it, but anybody can get those, Kathy. Well, no, I realize that, but before they realize that, maybe I will try to do something. No, I understand. So you have to a frame death certificate? Sure. I mean, it's clever as anything else. I mean, I've heard of some pretty stupid stuff being sold, and they do great. Uh, you know, Christmas time, you can buy uh, a star, have your name, and it's put in the right. congressional record, and you can put anything in the congressional record. I mean, that doesn't – so you get a star named after you. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, and they make money. Right. At least this is – these are real people. So uh, I don't know. You know, send them out frame. Don't send them out frame. That's actually kind of clever. I like that. And I – once you get sued for uh, using someone's likeness, you can call me up and I'll go, gee – I would have thought that um, hmm, that wouldn't work, or that would work. All right, Bob. Yes, sir. Yes, what can I do for you? I sent away to American Mint for some coins that were supposed to be uh, eagle proofs and Indian heads and et cetera, et cetera. But on the list, it said vial of gold flakes. They didn't say anything more than that. Had the flakes checked, and it's not gold but paint. Now, have I got a case against something sure. like that? Sure, of course you do. That's pure fraud. It's fraud on its face. So when you sent away for these gold coins, uh, where did you send away from? Where are they located, the company? Uh, the company is in uh, Pennsylvania. All right, and you are in California. That's correct. You know what I would do is uh, I would contact the Attorney General of Pennsylvania and say this is what's going on. Because that is fraud. Now, we're, we're, we're way beyond uh, a, a contractual issue. I mean, this is criminal, big-time fraud. And I'm assuming the attorney general would uh, certainly get involved with this. That's, that's what I would do. And then, because uh, you're not going to get any money from these guys anyway. If they're willing to do that, if they're willing to do that, they're not going to write you a check. But if the AG gets involved and a criminal complaint is filed and they settle it uh, somehow, part of it will be restitution. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. Wow. You know, just send away on the Internet for, i never even heard of the Mint, but uh, real gold coins. I guess it's real if you put, if you paint gold on them, and I guess if there's a little bit of gold in there, uh, yeah, why not? Hi, Sean. Yes, Sean, what can I do for you? Uh, yeah, I got a question about, uh, I bought uh, some property, and when we bought the house, there was uh, power lines, like, you know, the big substantial power lines, like 60, 70 feet. And um, we did, we avoided some of the houses because you walk out in the backyard and you just see this big mass right out back, and it is not attractive. So we bought a house that didn't have that, and now they're uh, redoing their power lines, and they're going to install one right in back of our property. And I was wondering if there's any repercussion on the fact that it's going to devalue our property and our view and everything I mean, else. think about this for a moment, Sean. Wherever they put it, it's going to be obstructing someone's view. 
So the only answer that is there is you can't put the power lines up. You see the problem there? They have the yeah. right, they have the right to put up power lines anywhere on that easement. Yes, and it is an easement. So what are you going to do? I mean, they have the right to do that, Sean. And what rights do you think you have against the the uh, the utility saying I I want my view? Move that over there, even if it costs you two million dollars. Well, no, I understand that, that they can put it up, but do I have any repercussions on them to pay me for the loss of property value? What is the uh, the value, and uh, why why would they do that? If they have the right to do that, uh, why would they uh, write you a check for the loss of value? And what is the loss of value, Sean? How do you how do you figure that one out? No, I don't know. I've just heard of other people that. When it's happened to them, I've never heard of that of uh, the loss of uh, loss of value on that. I've never heard of that happening. I mean, there is, but it's certainly not under these circumstances. So I guess, Sean, this is just a way of saying you have no case. All right, this is handle on the law.